Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Pioneer Perspective. As always, my name is Brad, and I am not joined by Alex this week. Instead, I have two wonderful, very special guests joining me today. Hello, it is Carnage. It is Jared. Hi, Carnage. Hey, Brad. How's it going? I'm here. I'm, I'm tired. That was really energetic. <laughs> you know, Good job. we, we got to be full of energy no matter what day it is. I think it's Tuesday. That's not true. <laughs> that is not true. Nope. 100%. It is okay to be tired, people. You can take a nap, sleep at work. You know, we should actually have, I've seen other countries where they have like naps at work, like in the office, like they've like pull out like a fucking like little, like, like hammock. Yeah, I've seen that. We should have that, have a little power nap or like in uh What you should do is just play against control and it's basically the same thing. Lotus works too. <laughs> just kind of like, hey, just F6. Lotus is great. Yeah. yeah. Pass the turn, pee, go eat. <laughs> I don't know. Have a date. Yeah, just, just click click the F6 and let yeah, them come do back. Thing. That's exactly. I do it every time. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. But yeah, I am joined by these two wonderful human beings. Jared, you are actually newer when it comes to Pioneer as a longtime aficionado of Jund in modern. So introduce yourself. Yeah. What are you about? What do you like? All that shit. Hello, I'm the owner of the Jun Discord, or the Modern Jun Discord. We only discuss Modern Jun in there except for the general chat. Uh, I've won several 2Ks, gotten top 8 and several other more. 13th at GP Austin, uh, second at PTQ LA. I don't know, play a lot. I've only been playing since MH1, so I think that's alright. But uh, I stream at Jared Streams here. Anyway, play a lot of Jund. It's mostly all Jund until the PT was announced that it would be through Pioneer. So here I am learning that Lightning Bolt does not exist in this format. No, it, it does not. And uh, I mean, we've always thought, like we've, we've had this conversation, it comes up not as much as it did, but like about, I would say like in the first two years of Pioneer, we would have these like Reddit discussions or like on Discord or whatever. And people was like, what card would you bring into Pioneer? Would it break it and all that shit? And Lightning Bolt's always at the top of the list. Um, and I, I'm just like, you know what? Like, I don't fucking give a shit anymore. I, I think it might, it'd probably be uh, too good. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Yeah. I think that'd be too good. I, there are several cards I'm looking at that I think are powerful. I mean, I again, modern through and through for me. Uh, John through and through for me. But there are several cards in modern that are insanely powerful that as I've been learning Pioneer are also legal in Pioneer. And I'm like, that's probably a little too probably a little too much. Yeah. No, we, of course, even have, we even no, have some cards that aren't that aren't legal in uh, modern that are legal in Pioneer. Oh, trust me, I know. <laughs> I, I I'm using one of them. A little dig through time action. Why do you feel about the Delve spells? Like, do you uh, do you think they're kind of like, do they think they need to go in anytime soon, or you think they're fine without fetches? No, yeah, fetches make it ridiculous. Um, without fetches, you have to purposely. Uh, I mean, if you're planning on that being your source of refill, uh, you really have to fill your deck with ops and considers, and there is there is a trade off with it. Like, there's no. Dragon's Rage Chandler and fetches to make it absurd. It's 
you know, I, I'd never feel like I'm overwhelmed against a treasure cruise as much as that card is strong. I think there's also significant uh, cost to be playing those. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been playing them. In quotes cost. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's still usually if in the, in the right show, it's still one mana <clears throat> draw three and the, but even then it's, it could be, could be worse. And like the, the amount of power level that you're drawing into as well in pioneer is less than in modern stuff like that. So there's that to keep in mind as well. But of course, I think for, from what I've seen, um, the power level should just be at Karn, the great creator at the top and anything even with it and below, I think is totally cool. Uh, anything like I, I would put treasure cruise at the same level, Karn, the great creator, like it's insane value and it's harder to overcome and play around that. Like there's, it's, it's a top end of sorts and anything above that i feel is just way too overwhelming because every time i've played against car i'm like well, that's, that's strong and then you have to kind of you know figure out this little puzzle but whenever karn has been played i never felt like the game was over uh whenever treasure crew was played i never felt like the game was over you know uh, they're strong cards they're great top end cards i feel like that's uh it's kind of where they should stop as far as levels go yeah and I know for those of you who listen to this podcast, you will probably, most likely, most definitely, do spend some time looking at the Playing Pioneer website, so you should know who Carnage is. <laughs> but if they don't know who you are, Carnage, who are you? Why are you here? Why should I give a shit about why you're here? Uh, yeah, so I'm somebody who's been playing the format pretty much since its uh, birth, which was like, what, two years now? Maybe a little bit more um i was a limited player strictly before that on mtgo i've been around for quite a while i play every challenge every uh, showcase a uh, bunch of prelims so i'm somebody that you probably have played against or uh, seen on some of those uh, challenges and stuff like that have a few deck lists here and there and now i've been doing quite a bit for playing pioneer so i've been streaming uh, on their twitch and things like that so I'm just somebody heavily involved in the format who uh, loves playing a lot of things, and I'm probably best known for playing Esper Parhelion or Grease Fang. I, I love playing that deck on Moto because there's always one person. I think I've shared a few of them with you uh, before where like, you just see the chat and they're like, you're playing a fake deck, you're not playing real magic, you need to fuck off. And it's just like, I love the salt of when you're playing shit like that. Uh, I don't. What is it about, like reanimating powerful things or like doing stuff that feels like cheating that make people so fucking butthurt <laughs> about playing this game. Like, I don't get it. You want to just play murder? I can answer yeah, that. Go for it. Is that unfair magic when you don't plan for it? Turns out to be just as unfair as the deck building would suggest. Like there's a ton of Jun players. I know. I mean, the wow F Tron meme exists because we didn't have as much access to land destruction. So when they did their just general game plan, they felt it was unfair. They threw a fit, whatever. But it's consistent through every unfair deck ever. Lotus, you don't have deafening silence. Of course, you're going to hate playing against Lotus. Uh, I, I guess you could throw in like a Graft Digger's Cage, Weathered Ruinstone, Containment Priest, you name it for Winota. Uh, it, it, the list goes on. Primeval Titan, not having either your Blood Moons before, Necromantia, whatever you want to call it. When unfair when you're matched against unfair and you're playing like a homebrew and 
they just do their unfair game plan, it, it's the worst <laughs> feeling in the world. It sucks. Well, I mean, that's why we're here, though. That That's like actually kind of like the topic of today's episode is, you know, you being a newer player to Pioneer and as well as to introduce new players or anyone that's, you know, listening to the podcast first time just saw the Pro Tour announcement is like, I should probably play Pioneer. It's about familiarizing yourself with the format, understanding what it's all about. And part of that is preparing for what to play against, like the Lotus Field deck, like Winota, stuff like that, and try to, you know, make sure that your deck is tuned to be able to, you know, admit when, wow, this matchup fucking sucks. Maybe I need four damning spear in my sideboard. This kind like, it doesn't feel great, mm -hmm. but knowing how to get there is the big point. So right. you both have all your accolades. You both have all the things that you, you know, come with it. You know, you've been playing for a while. You've, you've done great on Moto and different tournaments, things like that. Starting with Carnage, what is the way that you approach getting into a format and you look at it and like how to like better prepare yourself as like a new player as like a seasoned player, like, and what's the biggest difference? Well, I mean, uh, that's pretty much it, right? Is we were talking about it a little bit there. It's finding out what the pillars of the format are, what are the things that people are doing, and what is most commonly what you're going to run into, and how does your deck match up against those types of things. I think also like something that's very misconstrued is like your deck doesn't need to be good against all of those things either. So something that a lot of players do is they dilute what they're playing to be good <laughs> against everything else when ultimately magic is matchup dependent and so like you're gonna have to forfeit some matchups to keep kind of either like the plan of what your deck is doing or fortify some of those other matchups so most of the time the first thing you want to do is find out what are most people playing uh what are you know the, the top things you can be doing in a format and kind of where does the deck you're playing or the deck that you're looking to play fit into there and from there you can start to kind of develop a meta game i think what makes it different than like your local fnm is that like your local FNM, you know the players, you know the decks, you can tune yourself perfectly to that. Where if you're trying to do something a little bit more competitive on, you know, either e even something like leagues where you really can't know what you're going to go up against, you kind of want to have your deck just as tuned as possible for what it's trying to do on its game plan. And then if you do, if you can get some percentage points against some of the better decks in the format, go for it. But ultimately, it's just more important to have a cohesive deck than it is to have this deck that answers everything that's out there most of the time that's what i find new players tend to do when they get into a format is try and like find something that's broken or you know unbeatable or best against everything else when ultimately most of the time if a format's healthy those things just don't exist yeah i mean i <laughs> yeah, I, I i came from Yu-Gi-Oh before playing magic and there is always a deck in Yu-Gi-Oh no matter what format it is no matter what year it is and I know I know Jared's laughing but it, there's just truth to this every time you play there is a quote-unquote anti-meta deck it, it never has any other name than that it could the, the cards in it can change a hundred percent in like from you know September and then you go to the next like to May it deck can cha uh, change completely but it's still just the anti-meta deck I don't think magic has ever really had a consistent like anti-meta deck and like it just it doesn't really work i guess like death and taxes can kind of be that kind of slot in like older formats but we don't really have that in pioneer so that goes into what you're saying is like you'd have to like make sure you can fine-tune your deck make sure you understand the matchups understand what you're playing against and the biggest part yeah. of that is knowing what you're playing against <laughs> Yeah, I, I think Pioneer maybe more than a lot of the other format. I, actually, Modern's very similar to that too, though. Um, they reward you for knowing your deck and being able to play your deck well. So 
like you don't necessarily like you can win a bunch of games just because you're really good at playing what you're playing versus like some of the older formats like kind of where you're talking about with like death, death and taxes and things like that in some of the older formats and some of the other card games it's kind of actually better to have things that are just kind of me- um, anti-meta or whatever you're talking you you were, you were saying there where these formats really do reward you for being really good at your deck having a lot of reps with your deck and you know sequencing everything properly where that's the appeal in my opinion to formats like pioneer and even modern is that you're rewarded for sequencing properly more than you are for having a deck that just is really good against something or is just the best deck in the format yeah so so looking at the pillars like you're talking about that earlier every format has that it's like you can usually go off like the the easiest broad term of like being combo control mid-range and aggro being the main four pillars of like archetypes. But then there are specific cards and uh, specific pillars of the actual format itself. And we had the, uh, the, the, uh, the Faithless Brewing article from a few months ago talk about that. And we talked about a little bit before the cast, how it's like a little bit outdated. And Jared, you brought up your point of like what you think your own pillars are. What do you feel like based on mm-hmm. as a new player looking at the format for the first time, how do you feel the format looks and like what kind of holds it all together? Okay, uh, so quick, I literally knew nothing about Pioneer when I loaded up Winota and just pile. I literally, I don't know how else to describe. It. There's a YouTube video I posted on my channel. I'm, I'm under Jun Jared, but I'm posting random Pioneer stuff under there. But the YouTube channel literally starts off with, fuck it, let's just send it. And I literally just take Winota and I pilot it to a 5 0. The entire time I'm asking, like, what the hell is this card? What is that card? And as I've played more, I start seeing more, obviously. But specifically, as I'm... I've gone off Winota. That was just to... I knew it was... I basically... you When you play Winota, you basically just react to the field and your own cards. It's so very irrelevant. Basically, what your opponent's doing, it's just... So straightforward, so I piloted that, but I wanted to get off that. I played Jun, so I went with, I made two mid-range brews. But as I'm brewing and talking with people in the Discord, uh, you know, there's certain cards and decks you always have to look for and plan around, and or that other people and other challenges are always planning around. Like, you look at sideboards, there's a pretty clear, you know, set of cards that are always, like, you'll see Lava Coils, Rending Volleys, Raven Feeblements, Winota. Uh, you'll see thought teases in some sideboards or in the main deck. If you're playing black, you'll see thought teases, and that's just attacking combo. I mean, thought teases is a good card in general, but I, I thought teases in general, I think, is just in there too with Winota. <clears throat> Mana dorks are present in the top. I I would say top two decks in Winota and Mono G Tron. So I would say Mana dorks, the elves, the fat kid, all pretty. <laughs> much pillars of the format. Uh, Lotus is not really something I've experienced and had a hard time with, but every, every time I'm looking at sideboards and challenges for inspiration and to learn what kind of cards people are playing, I always see the Archons, the Deafening Silences, uh, the Duresses, and every time I ask, it's usually because they want to attack Lotus or control you know there's they're 
but that is ever present. Lotus, every time I talk to someone about Pioneer, Lotus this, Lotus that, you hear bands, Lotus this, Lotus that. So I would put Lotus. And the card I effing hate the most in modern, uh, Expressive Iteration, I didn't realize was a Pioneer legal card. That card's insane in modern. I think that card gets even more insane when you lower the power level and you still include the plus one card that lets you dig three. Kind of nuts. Uh, so those would be my six. Thoughtseize, Winota, Elves, Lotus, Iteration. What else am I, did I say? Oh, and Card and the Great Creator. Sorry. Just, again, another similar to Iteration. Uh, modern card that's legal and Pioneer. Uh, sorry, a strong modern card that's legal and Pioneer is going to be stronger when you lower the power level. Regardless, anything you do, if it's strong and modern and it's legal and Pioneer, it's probably strong and Pioneer. Yeah, and I'm glad that we don't have a lot of the cards in uh, in Modern and Pioneer. But yeah, I mean, Karn's really fucking good. Christ, yeah. I remember seeing um, in older formats the Mystic Forge, like Karn decks. I've always been interested in seeing if those could ever pop up in Pioneer. But we don't think we have enough colorless shit to be doing. No, we don't have any no. of the strong color shit. It makes me sad. We have like half of the Eldrazi. We don't even have like all the good ones. We have uh, we have like Thought Nazier and like World Breaker or whatever the fuck it's called, but like we have nothing else. But like, but that's the cool thing about Pioneer is like you can still try it. You can still fuck around and be like, I'm gonna play colorless uh, whatever. Oh yeah, I I sent you this uh, carnage like a while ago when I was playing uh, Grease Fang, and I was playing against a colorless like Tron Eldrazi type of deck that was playing uh, what's it called. Um, uh, it's the the five mana artifact that's like all colorless things. You gain two life when you play a colorless card. Uh, like forsaken monument. Uh, some yeah, something like that. A card I've literally never heard of. <laughs> it was like it was like really good and like historic for like one week, and then the power level kind of went crazy in that format. Yeah, <sighs> what the? I mean, historic has uh, that's the the fucking uh, mind uh, mind stone and all that. I don't even know what historic is. No one I don't does. Want to know what historic <laughs> it's is? It's pretty much like a. It's now there's pretty much like a modern yeah. light where they decided to add like most of MH two, but like also not some of MH two. It was. It's just weird. And then alchemy. Just cards. put everything on. T- I'm so sick of Moto as a platform. <laughs> just make it all into one. You made record profits. You're increasing the price of packs. Like you have money. Do it. But but they said we're going to get Pioneer in several years. Several huh? years. Several Isn't that years. great? <laughs> several years. Bro. Bro. <laughs> Just do it. No, they can't. Think of the programming. Think of the poor programmers to have to type in the cards and shit. I genuinely don't understand the programming holdup, though. But I... I Listen, I'm just gonna get annoyed. I mean, Yu-Gi-Oh had uh, just had their annoyed. new game. Move on. <laughs> had like two thousand, three thousand. Move cards. on. It's over. I like yelling about it though. I mean, I, we've done this every Arena. single episode. We talk about it in some way because it is frustrating. But yeah. Arena being a failure. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's a failure for like competitive players and people that really love Magic. But as far as yeah. like casual players and and Wizards is concerned and Hasbro, I guess. It is a booming success, especially that $50. How many people do you think have bought this stupid $50 wild card thing? Too many. Like 12 rares and four mythics. Too many of them have bought it. It's a fucking joke. But yeah. Yep. But going back to Pioneer. (laughs) 
So we have the overall meta, we have the pillars and stuff. So those are the big things, like like you said, Karn, the elves, uh, other things. Uh, I would probably throw in, um, I, w- I think I would throw in Nykthos as one of those, because Nykthos is what makes the uh, the green deck really function. Um, I mean, Karn's fantastic, and it's an amazing card. Uh, but without Nykthos, I don't think that green deck exists. In I don't know. I, I would say Karn's more important to that deck. Really? Without, yeah. yeah. I mean, think... think Karn's yeah, the think, combo. Think about when like pioneer first started and like mono green was a deck it wasn't as oppressive as it is now adding karn and adding a combo is what made it oppressive i i i did a video on it um I, like maybe a week or two weeks ago at this point and like plug the video <laughs> and uh it's 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 on playing pioneer on our youtube um but that's it um, yeah. lead the way lead the way um and what makes this deck good is the fact that it has a combo so Mono green was always kind of like a part of the meta, but never really great. And the reason that it is now is because it has a combo. So, I mean, I don't like using the word splinter twin very often, but the like it has that kind of playability, right? So like when you have a deck that on its own is very, very powerful, but you always have to respect the fact that it can win. That's when a deck becomes very, very powerful. That's when it really takes that next step. And that's what Karn does for mono green. Like, you have to you have to be able to deal with old growth troll. You have to be able to deal with Cavalier of Thorns and everything like that. But at the same time, as you're trying to interact with those things, you always have to be cognizant that they can just drop a Karn and win the game. And so that creates like a play pattern that like doesn't lend itself well to being able to attack it in any positive way. So like for a control player, for example, you're kind of just taking shots from an old growth troll all game because you're like, I really can't tap out and deal with this because they're going to drop the Karn and beat me. And if it didn't have that, it would be a much simpler plan. And it's why Control was able to, like, keep Mono Green down in the past was because you were just like, if I can deal with the creatures, Nykthos isn't good. And so I think it's Karn that pushes it to that. I think if you took Karn out of the format, we wouldn't even be talking about Nykthos. People just want to attack Nykthos because it's the card that looks the most unfair because it creates a bunch of mana. But ultimately... If all they were doing was slamming down Nissas and Cavalier of Thorns, nobody would really be all that upset about it. You would just be like, wow, next turn I'll untap and wipe the board. And then there's nothing going on. We're like, even if you wipe the board, Karn's going to go fetch something or do something more powerful. And that's that's where that problem comes from. Yeah, we've seen like the older um, mono green decks with uh, Vivian Arcbow Ranger. Uh, I'm sure another card that Jared is no fucking cool I'm talking about. <laughs> I oh, do. you do? Holy <laughs> I shit. I do because, yeah. <laughs> Because when Luxior was announced, I tried finding the cheesiest Planeswalker combos. Uh, I never, I never actually ended up using it, but Arcbow Ranger gave Luxior... If you put it on Arcbow Ranger, Luxior, that is, all of uh, Arcbow Ranger's plus one, oh, plus one counters keeps, turn to plus two, plus two. It keeps going on itself. So she's a 9-9 nine, nine trample. Oh, that's yeah. fucking stupid. So I just tried finding the cheese. So yes, that's the one thing I know, <laughs> I guess, that isn't in, uh, popular and modern. Just if it's like usually Jun related, if it's red, green, something, I've probably seen it before. Everything else is. Yeah, that me. used to be the main version of the, the mono green deck was it would still play Karn, but it was like playing four Vivian Arcbow Ranger, four Karn. Um, then it was playing like four uh, Burning Tree Emissary. Um, and they're just trying to really turbo out Nykthos and then just make all of your random ass dorks and like burning trees into like actual threats with uh, Vivian and then just getting stuff out of your Karn board. So that was the old version. So I, I do actually like how the uh, the new version is playing um, the uh, the Cavalier, which I think is one of my favorite cards that's come out 
uh, in the last few years. I hate that card. Why do you hate that card? It's so fucking sweet. It's just a five mana, like, without without Karn and without Nykthos, like, it, it's not, not a phenomenal card. It's just a really cool card. Okay. No? You... Why you hate it? I want to know. It's the it's the reason I'm it's the reason I'm running three vanishing verses. That and the freaking troll. Vanishing vanishing verses so fucking sweet. I do love that card. Be like uh, like Niv picked it up, but then we don't see Niv anymore, which is so weird. How like Niv for the longest time was always at the top of the format, and that's the thing with Pioneer too. So we talk about like being ready for like what you're playing against. And it's easy to just be like, yeah, I'm ready for, you know, Winota, Lotus Field, and, like, green shit. Like, you know, bring your Fado pushes, bring your portable holes for the dorks, uh, bring your rays and, and, like, fucking volleys for Winota and all that. It, that That's easy. But the, it's so wide open in the format where it's like, I still have to deal with, like, that one random-ass Niv player. Um, there's still Phoenix floating around. There's Grease Fang that can just kill you out of nowhere, so I need runestones in my board. So it, it's like... Which Mar? Uh, it's on the up and up, and isn't Grease it? Fang, yeah. Uh, people are playing it like crazy now, especially with um, Ledger Shredder. The new. Yeah. Oh. Well, Ledger. I thought it was because of the new draw to discard yeah, which, along with uh, Faithless. Yeah, Mending. which is really good, but I think it's Ledger Shredder actually that's making it a little bit better right now. I. I love Ledger super Shredder. Good, yeah. Super good. I think the fact that super I, I think good. the fact that it taxes your opponent too from like not really wanting to cast two spells also is like really powerful. <clears throat> that is a uh, yeah that that's a uh, a pillar in the deck i brewed i love it it's like because um everyone's like we want to bring back symmetrical you know abilities and stuff like instead of this one-sided shit but then ledger shredder uh ledger shredder comes out it's like no wait not like that not like that let's, <laughs> let's keep that one one-sided no exactly like that keep doing that <laughs> it's not it's not overwhelming but it's just powerful enough to where it's like a great card. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Which I would put I would put it at like I mean, if you have Karn and Iteration, oh well, Iteration broken, but if you have Karn and Treasure Cruise at like S tier cards, I would put something to Ledger Shredder like B plus. Yeah. Like I think it's just a great card that you could just I mean, if you run creatures and you're playing blue, it's a solid throw in unless you're just like a thing to ice and Niv Mizzet deck but it's so strong and three health i'm learning is actually pretty good which is kind of cool because that is not something i'm used to usually as i do my set reviews for modern for juns uh either on the youtube or for the discord uh if it has three health like a nighthawk scavenger mm -hmm. i just say fuck that this card sucks. Yeah. <laughs> like that, just, that, that, just ignore that's the lightning bolt effect <laughs> yeah <laughs> right i mean yeah but that's like you have to i mean i've i've i played juns which now it's like a t2 deck i mean it can it can compete with most meta decks i think it's i i think you're an idiot if you dismiss juns because as we've seen in all modern tournament reports jund is coming in the top eight and it's been four twice or three times it's I think you're dumb if you don't play around it. Regardless, though, we're still a little bit weaker. And Jun is just a deck where you throw in a bunch of cards and something happens. <laughs> where the deck building is so important. And for deck building, the biggest hurdle you always have to consider, especially with your creatures, is what's the removal in the format? Ah, oh, shit. <laughs> like, I can't include a three drop that dies to a one. 
It just no. Most of the time you can't do that unless it has immediate board impact. But yeah, playing around uh removal was an interesting learning curve for me because there's so much shock damage and ping damage in Pioneer that Ledger Shredder being a one three, as soon as I didn't even know the card existed or was spoiled because I only did a set review for the Jun cards. Uh, but once someone pointed out that Ledger Shredder exists and is a card, I immediately threw it in and it's been freaking all-star status. Since. Yeah, and I mean, in in Pioneer, the fact that on one activation, it goes to four is what makes it even yeah. more powerful because most of the decks that are right. trying to remove, like we don't have that lightning bolt effect, but we do have a lot of things that eventually can deal three, like something like Fiery Impulse and stuff, which doesn't automatically do that. The second you get to four, like four is that like, that that's that sweet spot where like, now it it's fatal push or bust you know you're not really going to be able to damage kill it which is super important it's what's also so nuts about it is if you're on turn three and you just happen to top deck it and you have a one drop in your hand you can play ledger shredder thought seize and still get the trigger off ledger shredder which is just nuts that's nuts to we consider love and it's it, i i like cards uh, again, I'm a Jun player, so like Ragavan, Dragon's Rage, Chandler, Tarmogoy for my cards. I like cards that are like, here I am, kill me. Mm-hmm. And if they don't, then you're doing probably pretty well. Uh, Ledger Shredder is like, Ledger Shredder, uh, I recently included Containment Priest in the same deck. Uh, Rafine is my f- favorite card that I've been brewing around. So just all these cards that just kind of yell for attention and... Ledger Shredder's like at the top of that list. And if they don't have removal for it, they're playing only one card on their turn. Like also for deck building, I'm a big fan. Uh in paper tournaments, it's significantly different than online. Paper tournaments, there's a whole aspect of uh body language, uh how poker face is very real. Like I think a lot of people dismiss this aspect mm-hmm. of things. Um people in paper tend to put more pressure on themselves and if you create a card which forces your opponent to think i think you're at a much stronger advantage and by what what i mean by that is ledger shredder is like okay my game plan for next turn like let me think twice about it any card that lets my opponent think twice about something is a card i want to probably include in my deck like rafina's ward one like just even that little thought the more you can get your opponent thinking throughout turns and the quicker you can call over like a judge if they're thinking for three minutes straight, you know, all these actual almost pressures actually aid your win rate a lot more than you would think because people end up stumbling when they're against a clock or other people are looking around them and ledger shred like, okay, I'm not going to play these two cards. I'm just going to play one card when like a, a Kniv is strong but it's not game ending. So like still play your, like some people just overthink it and they're like, I'm not going to give my opponent that extra draw and I'm just going to play this one. And then they end up just going like mine, like poor curve on their turn. They'll only play one, two drop instead of two, two drops just to avoid Kniv, things like that. And I, yeah, what I'm learning about pioneer is that those cards are very few and far between. (laughs) There's not a lot of cards that make the opponent think. Yeah. So, uh, as they come out and as I, through it's fun learning what those cards are it's actually really interesting because like we we have been kind of spoiled in a sense of like all the digital play we've had in the last couple years because of like covid and shit so like now the paper events are coming back and everything 
it, it is going to be honestly like a learning curve for a lot of people. And I could imagine even a lot of like experienced players kind of have to get back into the swing of it. It's like something you practice, like with the body language and the poker face. And if you're not actively doing it, or yeah. have a profession where you're doing that on a daily basis, you might show up at a tournament where a few years ago you would have probably, I want to say easily, but confidently been able to get to like top eight. And now you're scrubbing out in the first few rounds. You're like, what the fuck happened? And it's not necessarily, you know, your, your deck choice or like your ability of playing, but like that, the fact that you haven't been used to actually playing in paper tournaments. I mean, even just the FNM level, like I, I usually I'll just fuck around or whatever. But if there, if you find like that sweaty, uh, LGS where everyone's like trying to be like the next, uh, pro tour top or whatever. And like, it, you do get some some semblance of that, and it, I think that's that's probably one of my favorite things about Magic is is that that little uh, social aspect of it, where you have to figure out your opponent. Mm-hmm. That's it's just fun. I mean, it's it's super real. I've won countless paper games because my opponent is a crybaby <laughs> and will just pout and, and me, yeah. me, me, if he does like if you just happen to top deck Tarmogoyf, like if they get Thoughtseize bug, yeah, for example, where. Yeah. They get rid of my card, I chop it, and I play it, and then they'll just pout for the rest of the game. I've won countless games like that, but also I've won games like that where my opponent will hold two lands in their hand, but because they're a pouty, whiny baby, I are, I know that they're just two lands in their hand because they're just like slumped, they don't care, then I'm looking at their hand, they're not ready to counterspell anything, so I just confidently play through a turn and win like that. So, uh, like I said, those thinking twice cards for paper... Well, Specifically, the point there was paper tournaments, you share your time. It's no longer my time, your time. Like, I don't care. A moto, I'll play my card. I'll pass. To, like, just do, do, do whatever you want to do. Like, if you run out of time, you lose. In paper tournaments, draws are so much more common because you just run out mm-hmm. of time, both yeah. of you, and you lose points. Lo- even if you're in a winning percentage, you lose points because your opponent is taking too much time. So... I don't think it's scummy to call over a judge after two minutes if your opponent's thinking too much on a turn. Uh, I I do it all the time just because I'm not interested in drawing. Like, I know how this plays out. So the more things I can put in my opponent's head and the more, and I don't mean a judge just to sit there, but just the more pressure I can put on my opponent in a paper tournament and more decisions I force them to make, I just the easier time I've had winning. and. Uh, cards like the the newer cards like treasure sh- uh ledger shredder yeah. sorry um Rafine, all both of these cards do it in an exceptional manner well let's flip the script real quick because you're talking about like you know when your opponent's being a big big fucking baby about it flip it around how do you when you're the one who has a thoughtsies bug experience or you have like those unfortunate top decks and because any competitive game can be tilting that that's just a part of it um and mm-hmm. especially like like, what do you do when you're getting ready for a tournament and stuff like that? How do you compose yourself and how do you make sure that you are not the baby on the other end that's just giving too much away, losing your poker face and letting the actual game get to you? Uh, I mean, for Moto, I kind of, I, I, I'll bitch and whine on Moto. I don't really care because my opponent can't hear mm-hmm. me. Um, but for paper, you literally like, and also I play moto a lot more than paper tournaments. You know what I mean? Like SCG, uh, Pittsburgh and Atlanta aren't coming every, like, I can't just come home and play in SCG Atlanta. So, uh, paper, uh, online moto, I like a, a lot more carefree or just, uh, 
myself and be like, that, that's, that's frustrating. That sucks. Like, we got screwed over. Our opponent drew the nuts. Blah, 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 blah. Paper tournaments is definitely, you know, get your sleep. One. Two, uh, you know, say to yourself, whatever the classic your deck gets screwed over fashion is, just say it's going to happen a thousand times to yourself. Like, basically, uh, expect the worst, prepare for the best. And that's the only way you can approach terms to be fine with it. I've, I've gotten, I've, I've, I've lost, uh, one of my losses at, um, was it? Yeah. GP Austin. Uh, I lost one game day one. <laughs> I was I'm playing, I was playing Oko Junt because that mm-hmm. was, uh, Oko yeah, was just OP. Just and my deck was just built to beat the Urza Oko decks. Never. I played them nine times, nine and no versus those. No problem. Day one though. <laughs> I lost to Infect of all <laughs> decks to lose when I have the most interactive Oko deck because uh, I uh, trophy. Uh, no, I pushed his first um, uh, uh, Ink Moth. Mm. I pushed the first one. Then he top decks it, plays it. I assassin trophy that top decks plays another one. Lo- I, I lose. He just he just one two at three after another. And that is not something I'm mentally prepared for, but it's also just something you have to be okay with happening. Like the most unfortunate part about magic is the RNG and the most fortunate part of magic is its variance. So I know they're the same thing for anyone listening, but it's, it's, it's an aspect that exists. I think you just take your lumps in paper and you have to mentally prepare for it. Moto, I, I really don't care. Like, we, we've seen guys like Tyler, the cre- uh, not Tyler, the creator, <laughs> Tyler One and League of Legends. Yeah. And he just, like, he, he just b- bitches all the time, all this stuff, and either gets muted, whatnot. But it's not necessarily like a factor in the online realm of things. Like, he's obviously never going to be on like t- a team because he rages too much. But in tournament play, and when you're literally directing, interacting with somebody, you got to do your research or you just got to do your mental reps first first and foremost like i will get thought seized bugged or my opponent will draw well and i have to be okay with that yeah i think that is obviously going to be like one of the most frustrating things and yeah being able to kind of overcome your own uh kind of feelings and voices because like it's, it's really easy to just be like well, fuck, I mean, there's nothing else I could do there. But, like, I mean, sometimes that's, like, the approach you should have in the most casual sense. Because, like, there, there is that difference yeah. where you're playing online and you could just kind of be slumped over or whatever and just kind of, like, chilling in the chair and, like, you thoughts use them and they kind of top deck the next one. You're like, ah, oh, well, thoughts use bug. And, like, it's really easy to take that right. approach. I, don't get me wrong. It's always good to practice, you know, being just at peace with yourself. <laughs> but uh, for paper, it's definitely... Uh, high priority like online bitching to the camera or just like i mean you hear the classic like gamers they like rage at their own machine but no one else is really hearing them like it doesn't i don't put as much emphasis on that and i'm not saying it's okay to rage and all this stuff but uh or i i shouldn't say it's good to rage all stuff but it is okay like it's it's fine that you get upset just for a paper and you interacting with an actual human being like they see that there, and if you're at a tournament, you probably like going to tournaments. So they're going to probably see you again. And the more you just 
roller coaster that reputation, the worse it's going to hurt. Like if you're just yelling at your computer online, like there's not a reputation formed unless you're streaming it. But <laughs> yeah, like there's no like there's no your mic doesn't auto record and then send the files to your opponent. Like that's not <laughs> that'd be amazing. Uh, that would Horrible. be a feature for yeah. sure. That'd be a feature. I mean, well, Carnage, I, I I've watched you stream um a few times. I've wa- I've watched you like in just like for the the playing pioneer videos stuff like that. I've never seen you rage. Now that I think about it, I've never seen you get like visibly like actually upset. And uh, you always kind of have like the same demeanor, which I think is actually you know that that's impressive. Um, so do you just like try to just not give a shit ever uh, when it comes to that, or like the, like how do you get to that point? Um, actually, it's like kind of just something that I developed mostly through my work life. Um, and it's just something that I took to magic. And I do think it's really important um, to have that. So it's something that's important for paper. And that's kind of where I started playing was more in paper. Um, if you just kind of almost look blank the entire time, it's it's going to actually benefit you in a lot of uh, situations than if you're a little bit more emotional and stuff. But my work life actually le- leads to that. I manage about 150 people. And so um, you have to try and always just look like everything's okay and everything makes sense. And I try and keep that all the time in magic. Uh, Jared was saying it, and it is really important. The the small percentage points that you don't realize you give away in a paper event are like astronomical. Like just even the way you shuffle your cards in your hand. uh, Jared was saying it too. Like if, if you're not interacting much with your opponent and you're just kind of like do whatever you want, well, obviously he knows that you don't really have anything. And so those types of things are important. And I just try and carry those over online also. I mean, if you're doing them all the time, they feel more natural. If you kind of try and be like this expressive person when you're online and playing, those are going to leak into your paper playing too. So if you, for the people out there, it's important to practice those things on your own at home or streaming or on videos, whatever you're doing when you're playing Magic at home. It, the more you practice them, the better. Like Jared was saying, you, you want to get your reps in and you don't have all the time in the world to get your reps in. So if you can use your actual moto time or arena time to get those reps in of just, you know, keeping a straight face and things like that. And it does help if you're recording yourself, even if it's not for the public to see, you can go back and look at those things and see like, you know, shit, my face goes like this whenever, you know, this happens or whatever. So th- those types of things are important to have. Ultimately, paper magic, in my opinion, is it's a completely different format than it is yeah you know online like right and i i think it's so that is this is actually something i'm pretty passionate about just that the difference there one i was actually kind of saying the opposite where like when it's online i'm just kind of reacting i don't really care but i also know how to control my emotions and paper you know like i i I personally understand the difference so it's not like i'm trying to practice so if you're starting out and you can't control your emotions and paper absolutely you know practice 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 um but just that yeah that's just my soul so i don't seem like a hypocrite (laughs) when i do it no no and that's it yeah i i right yeah yeah. i get you uh for moto there's also that that's also i don't think people understand so I have I have this series on my YouTube channel called What's the Play, where we just review other people playing Juns, you know, Andre, Reed, Spike, Electric Bob, whoever, playing Juns, and then we pause, and then we just consider what the play is. And there is a humongous difference in going for the win and making sure your opponent can't win. 
So a difference like uh, you know your opponent has uh, or the difference being uh, let's say you have Nile Spellbomb available to you or Shadow Spear. Shadow Spear, for those who don't know, is an equipment card. Uh, once you equip it, plus one, plus one, trample, lifelink, doesn't matter. It, it's, it, it's good at finishing games. Nile Spellbomb removes your opponent's graveyard. So let's say you're against Murktide and you think they either have a Murktide or a Lightning Bolt. Like you, you don't know whatever it could be. Uh, and you go for Shadow Spear thinking that they have a Murktide in their hands. And you'd go to equip, and then they bolt your DRC in response. So now you have no creature. They have bolts, and they just top deck Murktide, play Murktide, and win the game. So that's an example of going for the win and it biting back. Whereas if you grab Nile Spellbomb, blew up their graveyard, drew a card, and they still bolt your DRC in the end, but they draw Murktide, they can't play Murktide. Like there, there's making sure your opponent can't do it and making sure, uh, or and then like seeing the gold at the end of the tunnel and maybe getting a little too far ahead of yourself and not checking for traps. So point is for um, paper and online, there are differences in little additions you can do to actually up your win percentage. So if you're playing a deck with instant, like not Winota because Winota doesn't react with instant spells, but if you have instant spells and you just auto pass on Moto and I'm just playing cards and <laughs> you're clearly not responding. I'm like, Oh, he doesn't have a response. And I just keep playing cards. Like, sit on it like the two seconds are gonna win or lose the game unless i mean there are certain but you know what i mean sit on the card if they play a card let it sit for two seconds okay even if you don't have anything let it sit for two seconds or just like don't just auto pass because that lets me know you have nothing for what i'm doing and then i can guess what the cards in your hand are or what you're drawing etc etc little percentage points like that paper as carnage was saying as brad was saying your, your body language is ultra important. Your responses are super important. I think the, one of the biggest things I see is uh, Mishra's Bobble is a very popular <laughs> card in modern right now, right? People are the biggest idiots when it comes to Mishra's Bobble. And they're just, it just turns into a mess after that. So what I mean, for those who don't know, Mishra's Bobble, zero mana artifact, tap it, uh, look at tar the top card of target player's library. The rest of the effect doesn't matter. But you just look at the top card target player's library. Uh, I'd say it's a 50-50 split on whether they look at themselves and fetch afterwards or look at your opponent. When people look at my cards with Mishra's Bobble and there's this big reaction to it, I'm like, well, f like, okay. <laughs> like, let me start game planning for some... I mean, obviously you can trick them and like have a big reaction. It's just a land, but that, that kind of mental games is like one in a billion. Most of the time, it's this, like, ugh, of course, I'm just like, okay, or like their eyebrows will shoot up. Like, just keep, I'm telling you, folks, keep the straight faces, practice the calmness, no matter what you're seeing, because all of these subtle hints add up to decision making. And when you're playing decks with decisions and you're playing tight matches, those little decisions and those little hints that you're giving eventually, even if it's not that game, will tip out of your favor and your opponent will snatch victory when they you easily could have won by bluffing. Uh, also, a big, 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 big offender of this is people, when they're hellbent, just playing lands from the top of their deck. I When you have like seven lands, yeah. like stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't need seven lands. <laughs> stop playing lands. Start holding cards. Start making me think. Because when people are just like, uh, they have all, they're like, 
completely flooded. Eleven land. Oh, play it. I'm like, what do you stop? Stop playing the land. Hold it. You you have no. You don't have uh, like Karn liberated in your deck. You don't need this much. Or Ulamog is a, probably a better example. But yeah, the, just consider like start if you really want to up your game. Start considering these minor percentage points. Attitude is one as Carnage has mentions, uh, and as I'm saying, just like little hints are everywhere. Little percentage points are everywhere. And the more you can start securing those, the higher your win percentage will go, even if it's just by a percent. That means one of every 100 games you would have lost, you're now winning. So it's it's worth it. Eventually, it becomes worth it. It's good practice. And in Pioneer, like it's it's even more heightened because... We, we can joke about Winota not being that interactive and all this stuff, but a lot of the decks in Pioneer, like, look at Rakdos Midrange is a good example. Um, the decks you like to play, Jared, you're playing the Esper deck, and that has a lot of actual interaction and play to it and different lines to it. If you like those kind of decks and you gravitate to that kind of deck, which there's a lot of them in Pioneer, and a lot of the decks your opponents will be playing will have those lines as well, it, it heightens all these little minute decisions that you're making in both your body language and the little, even the little things on Moto of, like, making sure that, like, you leave up the card to react to or whatever. And like, even if you don't have it, they all add up. And I, I really do think it's heightened in pioneer. Cause there's, there's a lot more of that, I guess, classic, I guess, magic feels the best way I can think about it in comparison to other formats where the, there's a lot more back and forth. Um, you, you have your swinging matchups, of course, every format does, but it's not as like, you know, solitaire central kind of thing. And I think that's really important to remember right. with, uh, with the format. And, and it's just, well, just giving your point just a little bit more credence, there's a lot less plus one cards in Pioneer than there is in Modern, or there's a lot... Uh, yeah, I'm just going to keep it at that. There's a lot less plus one cards in Pioneer as there is in Modern, so those cards become way more valuable, and there's so much more emphasis on them. So if you're just saying, I don't have it, yeah. <laughs> then you're really throwing it out the window because it's not like Modern where you then... I was going to say Top Deck Expressive Iteration, but that's clearly a bad example, but... Uh, top deck any you know you name the plus one card and then the you know the scale shift and then they get back to it and there's a lot more ways to recuperate in modern than there is from pioneer so yeah giving your point a little more credit there's less plus one meaning the one for ones are that much more important to hide yeah Yeah. easy way to remember for those who don't know plus ones um if you have a card that says one card draw two then that is a plus one. It is replace itself and nets you another card. That kind of idea. The classic pot agreed. Pot agreed, baby. Was it? Yeah. So, 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 yeah. So, like Jared was was saying, like the the difference too in Pioneer exactly is that like there aren't like all of your one for one exchanges. All of the exchanges through the game actually they don't even need to be one for one. All of your exchanges through the game eventually are going to come to a point where like someone's resources are going to be gone, so the other person wins the game. Where Yes, there is a lot of that in modern, but there are also a lot of decks in modern that just need to draw something and they win the game, right? So like against Tron, you can make all the two for ones you want to, and you can do everything that you want to do. But if they just draw Ulamog off the top, like you're already behind in the game. Like you don't really, there's not much that goes into that. And I mean, that's just one example, but there are a lot of those powerful cards that can just take over a game where in Pioneer, we don't really have that. It's not like you're going to draw this like, uberly amazing card that's going to just be like oh great i've i've lost every single exchange but i have this so like i've won the game so all of those exchanges are very very important so um you know you you need to make sure that 
the small exchanges that you're making at the beginning of the game are tight because they're going to matter at the end of the game in Pioneer. Like, you know, yes, they matter in all the other formats too. I'm not saying that some of those formats don't matter, but your small exchanges, but they're more amplified when the power level goes down and down. Like the lower the power level of the format, the more your exchanges matter and the little decisions that you make along the way are going to matter. So I do think that he, he makes and a really good point. It's, it's important in Pioneer to really try and play as tight as possible. And a couple, couple, bringing this all the way back around, couple of those exchanges that you're doing with a straight face. No, there's no, like, uh, throw out a portable hole on an anvil. Okay. Like, yeah, I have another. Just, or just, you don't react to it. You just keep playing cards. And once you're coupling the tight exchanges with the superior poker face you will notice a not actually i shouldn't even say you will notice but i promise you there is going to be a difference in your win percentage as far as um when you guys play in paper mildly uh uh what's it called related to this do you hand shuffle either of you i like what? like shuffle oh, the cards like, in your hand like back like, and forth is that what you mean yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Like a dealer? No, 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 no. no, like, no, no. Like, that, like, that like, flick, like that flicking of like, like a card behind the other. Oh, I have, I have the same tick every time, which <clears> I, uh, you, so uh, in the 2K I won like a month ago or whatever, it, it was streams. I think it's on their YouTube, TSCS, whatever. Anyway, um, I, I, I learned that I have a tick after I watched it, which is the same thing every time, which is I separate all the cards in my hands. I line them up straight. I close them. I just separate all the cards, line them up straight, close them. But I did it in a winning uh, winning position. I did it in a losing position. Had no idea I had the tick though. Yeah. But that that's my tell. Yeah. So I guess. that's important. If you do have something that you do like that, you need to do that all the time, right? So like, like <laughs> yeah. you, you you can't just shuffle your cards violently quick when you're losing the game, or you know when you're winning the game, and then when you're losing, you just put them flat on the ground, and you're like ah. I'm out of this game. Like, so if you do have something like that, it's not negative to have like some sort of thing that you like to do with your hand because, you know, either like you just need something to do or that's just how you deal with like the stress or the pressures of being at a tournament. You need to make sure that you're doing it very consistently in all situations and not just like certain situations where, yeah, like that's fine if that's what you're going to do all the time. But if you're doing that because you're like in the game and the game just started and then the game's over and you're like, I'm just going to put my cards down like flat on the table and then you just kind of sit back. Well, your your opponents maybe that particular one won't notice but people around you will notice and and and, I that's, do. and that's something that you also have to take into account you're not playing against just the person in front of you more than likely you're going to carry yeah. with the people that are at the table with you forward and those people who are sitting beside you or a few tables beside you are going to be looking at you and i mean if you're not doing that as a player you should also be doing that you should be looking at the people around you and seeing what they're doing and what they're not doing, because you're mostly going to play against those people, especially once you get to like the three O's, four O's, those people are going to continue to go near you and at the same tables as you. So it's important to try and pick up what they're doing and also not try and give away many things about yourself either. So that, that, that's also what I talked about with your reputation and also why you, I mean, it, for your life in general, like get a hold of your emotions, but uh, for paper tournaments, there there's reputation, especially if you're going tournament to tournament, whatever. Uh, my one of my first two Ks, uh, or specifically this two K at the store, uh, I went with a group of people, and we we all had this signal. For, sorry, first round, my friend plays against this guy. This guy 
scummiest player ever tries like cheating hiding cards all this stuff just real low things which do happen by the way mm-hmm. real low things but we had a signal for him and we, we like we're keeping track of him and if one of us finished a game we would go to his game just to make sure he wasn't screwing over an opponent so when it came time that uh i had i, I think my second game to go or you know i was like 5-0 at that point no i was 4-0 and i played him I, you know, we, we literally, I called over a judge. I had him sit there the entire game and it was, uh, because we had observed him doing things like this and he got called out for it several times. And I don't think he even came to the other ones, but there was all of it matters. Literally tournaments are just a big accumulation of your deck building ability, your piloting, your attitude, your social skills, uh, like please shower before tournaments kind of thing. Like it's, it all matters. So the more you can just kind of put it all together in a package, obviously the more success you'll have, not just at a tournament level, but socially in the communities we're in will be just way like, it's just, your life will just be easier. Cause if you're making an enemy, like if you're just calling like let's just say spike like uh, take a popular streamer you're going spike an asshole or whining and yelling at him and cursing at him the entire time you're playing against him if you're playing against him like well guess what no one who watches him is gonna enjoy you either not saying he's gonna talk crap about you but if someone observes that and then that starts going around like it's just it's a whirlwind of things that can happen if you're just not in tune with both your deck and yourself when you go to these types of things. And it's something I really don't think is talked about enough when it comes to these tournaments becoming live mm-hmm. again. I mean, also just please don't hesitate to call a judge. Shower. Yeah, that, that too. That's that, that, that should be, that goes back to like the, just in your personal life in general, personal hygiene is a big deal. You know, that whole, uh, you know, look good, feel good, feel good, play good, all that shit. Um, that, that kind of carries over. Yeah. I mean, when it comes to in the game, so many people are afraid to call a judge. I don't know if it's like social nerves or whatever, like the introvert in yourself or that kind of thing, but like, it's okay. If, if I'm sitting across from someone and someone, if I'm, if I'm slow playing unintentionally and someone calls judge, I'm not going to fucking be upset about it. Like, Oh shit, my bad. Thank you for keeping me in check because I also don't want to go to time and tie. I don't. (laughs) So you're, you're even the experienced players. You're helping each other out. (laughs) If someone's salty about it, fuck them. They're they're whatever. Yeah. Well. Mo- yeah. Yeah. Please. Please. Call yeah. Judges. Most people like associate ju- judges with negativity, and that's where a lot of that stigma comes from, right? Is you assume, oh my god, they're calling the judge because that person cheated, right? Is like that's like the first thing that comes into like most like new players' minds, or honestly, probably even some people who play quite a bit is that like the judge is there to catch cheaters, you know? And that's not actually what it's for, right? The judge is there to protect you, your opponent, and like the integrity of the game. And so you can use it as them as a resource, right? So it's, that's probably the first thing I tell most people who are like new to the, you know, competitive playing scene, or even just, it doesn't need to be competitive, but going to their first GP because they want to have fun and play um, in some sort of event like that is anybody who's new coming with me is that like the judge you should call if you don't call a judge all day you're probably not doing very well like yeah yeah (laughs) i mean i personal experience i've i've experienced almost every interaction on this son when it comes to modern juns i still call judges over when i'm just not really understand or if i'm not 100 percent sure trust that i'm calling a judge over it all i do is 
they judge and I say, hey, you know, you're doing great. I'm just, I just want to make sure about this. And then they'll give you two minutes. It's one of the happiest experiences you'll ever have. And just a subtle piece of advice, never trust your opponent. Yeah. Uh, unless obviously friend is yeah. whatever, but it's not in your opponent's best interest to give all the information away. Uh, I'll give a couple examples real quick, but uh, I play Tarmogoyfs. I never, I don't have the f- stupid die that says what the Tarmogoyfs power and toughness is because it's not in my best interest for you to just have that easily available. I want you to ask. I want you to figure it out yourself. I keep track of it at all times, but that's me. I'd rather you take the time to ask and whatnot. But uh, an example like uh, you ask your opponent like, hey, what does uh, X and X do? Like, in, like invoke despair. Let's pick a random card. Uh, let's say you played against a game one and game two, you're just like, oh, I remember that card. Like, damn, I want to play around this card, but I kind of forget what it does. Like, does it also hit Planeswalkers? And you ask your opponent like, hey, what, like, what does Invoke Despair do? And they're just like, oh, creatures, deal to life, you know, repeat that process. You know, just say if they're in a tournament, they're not, it's not, most people aren't dicks, but some people, they just don't care to tell you accurate information they also are not obligated to socially they are but morally or legally they're not so you you just avoid this whole issue just being like judge what is you know what is the oracle text on invoke despair easy 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 just please basically moral of the story i don't know why i'm ranting about this <laughs> I'm, but i'm taking this opportunity it's to a rant good rant about this. call your judges people please to god yeah it's, it's super important because again like karna said or karna said it's to protect you, your opponent, and the integrity of the game. We have, like, it's easy to be spoiled. I'm sure you guys have had this where you play a deck that you haven't played in paper too much. You played on mode or whatever, and you kind of get used to that, like, auto bullshit of, like, it, it, it checks uh, for, like, your triggers and things like that. And then you go to paper and you're like, fuck, I missed that. Um, the same thing with understanding like this the board state and the, all the cards in general it's just it's okay to call the judge to be like here's the check and balance like you kind of have like a moto software person right there with you at all times and that's okay you can use them don't get all fucking freaked out about it back to pioneer <laughs> <laughs> who wants to talk pioneer in a pioneer podcast hey i mean here's it, your it's, general it's tournament broad. advice I mean, it's it's a magic podcast. I mean, if it works, it's fine. Um, oh, sure. But, okay, so, Jared, you've been playing, uh, I know you've been playing the Esper deck, like, on stream and stuff like that. How is yeah. how has so, that been? Uh, again, new to the format, Pilot of Winota, easy blank stuff. Uh, I just wanted, I, I, I'm a mid-range boy at heart, so I wanted to make some mid-range decks. Uh, as the set was being spoiled, I saw Rafine and I said this card is freaking insane and so that was the basis that was the base of the deck that's what the deck revolves around uh I don't know if anyone knows who I'm, I'm talking about but Rafine's scheming seer uh it's esper colors it's only cost three mana it's one four flyer with ward one whenever you attack target attacking creature combines x where x is the number of attacking creatures uh and sorry car uh connive not convene connive is draw a card and discard a card if you discard a non-land card plus one plus one anyway that card is insane to me and everything i've been brewing is insane with it uh my biggest hurdle though is knowing what cards exist in pioneer and also what's strong in pioneer so i know 
I've heard a lot of the cards I've been adding to the deck in and out, but never once have I ever considered them at modern power level. So the hardest adjustment I've had is accepting that I'm going from this to down here when it comes to like, there's no, like, it's okay, Jared. There's no solitudes. Like, oh, <laughs> oh thank you. It's okay, Jared. There's no prismatic. Yeah. Oh. There's March. There's no Ren and Six. It's okay. Like, uh, just checking myself and just being like, oh, yeah, three health is actually kind of a lot. Four health is just unreachable. <laughs> like, no one's going to kill mm. you. Four health, you're just chilling. So, yeah, just these, these small practices uh, with deck building have been really hard. Uh, the best piece of I, I, of, a, of advice I have for people, right away, go on Stream Decker or whatever program you want. Make a separate deck and I'll just put... I just put Esper mid-range cards. And I have... I wish I could show you in a screenshot, but it's a lot. It's it a is... Lot. It is just, a, it's flooded. I, I, th I have like 200 cards in here of all possibly useful cards in this deck that I can use. And I've gotten all, I'll just go on Pioneer Challenge and any white card I see, add it to here. Obviously, there's context that you want to pay attention to, like if it's a control card. But white cards I see, blue cards I see, red, uh, black cards I see in those lists, I put them to here. And then from here, start kind of looking at like, yeah, that's not too bad. And go and scryfall and look at it. And it's been fun. Uh, this the there's a pioneer MTG pioneer Discord uh, that's been really helpful, specifically in the brewing mid range category. Uh, just t telling me cards that exist. Uh, like uh, I really never even knew graveyard trespasser was a great card. I've never heard in my life heard of Redain, God of the Worthy. <laughs> Or Valkmira Protector Shield. Like, it's a two-in-one. Never in my life. Uh, wouldn't have if it wasn't for Discord and just kind of doing my research. But this making your own spreadsheet of playable cards in the color you want has been a blessing. And obviously, you have to test a lot. But it's... Pioneer is something else, man. <laughs> it's, 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 it's there's weird. a lot. I mean, there's so much. I mean, the, the format's far from solved. I've I've been saying since day one that there's there's gotta be somewhere like that death shadow type of like deck that just hasn't been figured out yet, not literally death shadow, but like in in the sense of how death shadow came about in modern. Yeah, um, where like it's just yeah. waiting, and someone is gonna figure it out one day and be like, holy shit! And how many people do you think like start brewing around like there's like these two or three cards that they're like the core of the idea. They really like the interaction with those three cards. They can't figure out the rest of the deck, and they just kind of give up on it. But if they kept trying to tune it, maybe they would have found something that would actually be like a top contender in the format. That That's the best thing about the format right now is that you can do that. Like, shit, I, I can't wait to see uh, Esper, your Esper deck in the tier list in like a month. It's it, it's a brewer's paradise, right? Like, that's yeah. what I've always said about Pioneer is that, mm -hmm. it, like, like you said, the eyes haven't been on it, and I mean, the eyes are on it now, and so maybe it won't stay that way. Um, but the eyes weren't on it for a long period of time. You didn't have a lot of people who, you know, were testing decks thoroughly through. And so it, it's always lent itself to be able to be a format where, like it, like you said, if there's something you like, if there's an interaction you enjoy, um, you can put that together. And with enough work, um, you're going to be able to at least make it somewhat competitive, if not actually competitive. And we're seeing that a little bit even more now, right? So like decks that were considered you know the most powerful things you could be doing in pioneer are kind of falling by the wayside as more and more people are coming into the format and tuning certain decks 
and finding other decks that should have been out there before. And so um, I think the time, I think the time is limited. I don't think it's always going to be like this. I think that we're, we're running out of time at, you know, as the days and months go by, as more and more people are coming in to play the format. But right now, if you wanted to get into the format, you could pretty much play whatever you want, as long as you're willing to put in the work and figure out if it actually makes sense. I see Gravier Trespasser. I, I, I linked the Esper. I, this is more for Carnage, but <laughs> I didn't mean to stop conversation. I just linked him the, the fourth version of the list. But yeah, so to Carnage's point, there, I mean, look, at Modern is the best example of this. I really do think that where there's just powerful, I mean, Modern Horizons 1, Modern Horizons 2, everyone will point at those, but that's what the meta is for the most part, where these powerful cards are just printed in the format and a deck is built around that. So if you see like Murktide, uh, Living End, Rhinos, I could, they're, you know, they're, most of these decks are like one Necromentia away from just losing the game, putting it in layman's terms. There's a core component to every deck. So for you aspiring brewers or anyone looking to build, you know, if you're confident that, you know, I, I saw that card spoiled. It's insanely powerful. Like I am with Rafine, no matter how many times I'll try it. Just try, you know, just keep brewing, keep trying. Cause the worst thing that comes to light is that you end up with a mono green situation where it's acceptable to do what you're doing. But once you get the piece, you're off. And now car, uh, now mono green is top of the meta. Whereas before, as Karn was saying, it was, you know, like C tier, you know, it's a good deck, but it's not a great deck. It has its inconsistencies. You handle the creatures, you're fine. Now it's a top combo deck. So if you're confident, the worst thing that can happen when you do this brew and you fail is that they print a card and then you remember that brew you just had. And then you're like, wait, Ledger Shredder, Esper Aggro, like, let me, or mid range. Let me, you know, let me try something here. Maybe we're starting to see something and something's coming to light. So that, the worst thing that can happen with brewing is that you figure out something that didn't work at that moment. The best thing that can happen to brewing is quite literally everything else. Your deck becomes S tier, or at least, at the very least, very competitive. Yeah, and the, the, only thing, the other thing is um, evaluating cards now is harder than it's ever been. Right. Because every card has right. so much text on it. Like, I, I'm looking at your deck list, I, I immediately see a card that jumps out to me as a perfect example is the Wandering Emperor. When I was spoiled, people were kind of like mid on it. But the fact that it has Flash, which we've never seen on a Planeswalker, completely changes how you can evaluate the card and you can't put like context into it when you're looking at it on paper. You have to see it in action. And that that's just so mm -hmm. hard. And that goes back to the brewing idea. And it, it, you got to keep with it if you're trying to make something. And just, I mean, again, this is your fourth iteration. And if you compare this to your first iteration of the deck on, on the Esper one, it's, it's vastly fucking different. Oh, yeah. I mean, out here, let me send the first iteration so we can kind of laugh at that. You had Night of the Abon Legion in there. You had Scrap Heap Scrounger. Um... Yeah. I mean, a bunch of, like, more cute stuff here. Hold on. You can just cut this out of the video. Easy peasy. Sorry, editor. Suck it. Uh, let me He's do... going to keep that in. I promise you. No, please don't. <laughs> anyway, yeah, that, that's the first... But uh, two, two brewers, uh, 
no. Cut this. Let me say something else. This that, that was irrelevant to what I was saying. Um, card evaluation, going to what you said, is the hardest part about someone from modern to, or just switching formats in general. That's probably one of the harder things that can happen is the card evaluation aspect of things. Uh, like, I, again, I had to emotionally accept that it's okay to play three toughness creatures or that a slightly more passive creature is pretty okay. Like, Knight of the Ebon Legion is pretty good card. Scourge, or Scrounger, I should say, is a pretty good card. Uh, and just figuring these things out has been a hurdle, but I've been able to figure these things out due to help. You know, I, I have my stream chat helping me. I go and seek help at like the Pioneer Discord because I don't know enough. Because I think people's biggest issue with anything is going to be pride when it comes to whatever. Uh, just accepting that you don't know as much or that you need help or that this list is, you know, you feel like it's strong, but you need another opinion. Any of that. If you can accept any of that, your brewing will get significantly better. And of course, there are people that brew themselves that have seen every, every iteration of everything. But, you know, not, we all can't be Spike and have the time to sit and play 5,000 reps of anything. You know, yep. take the time, address other people who are also practicing with cards, have seen cards, and start sourcing other opinions because I promise your brewing will get a lot better once someone's like, you know, Ledger Shredder's a card, right? And I'm like, uh, -uh. <laughs> no. <laughs> and then I throw it in the list and it's one of the best cards <laughs> in the, the deck. Just, you know, just don't let your pride get in the way. Ask for help, go seek it, talk about it. And I just, the more open discussion you have and the more opinions you source openly, not like, don't just read someone's opinion, be like shit, like openly accepting other people's opinions can really help with the brewing. That's something I've encouraged with the Jun Discord for forever is we have, a, we have a page specifically just for tournaments results and just deck lists for people to look at and kind of see what's working. And personally, I think it's the best when like you see someone at SCG Dallas with uh, four Dragon's Rage Chandler, four Goifs, four uh, Ragavans, and then no other list is performing that way. And then you see another list pop up with that same creature base. And then you could probably make the conclusion that that's probably the best creature base for Jund. You know what I mean? Like there's like, you can't be closed off and be like, no, how I'm doing creatures is the only right way. <laughs> not, not how that works. Not how that it works not at until all. You uh, top Does, like four tournaments in a row and you can be like, can you, can you see? Right. Yeah. I'm, yeah. If you pull that off. Yeah. Right. Obviously it's, you know, it's a tournament based business, but, uh, or a uh, results-based business. But until you get those results, you know, be, be open, be mindful. And this is coming from someone who's learning at a rapid speed what cards are good and what's not in a whole nother format and a whole bunch of garbage. But I, I, I love it. I love, I love solving problems. I love trying to create new ones for other people. Uh, Pioneer is pretty exciting. Um, but yeah, I agree with Karn. I feel like that time is coming to a close as you get more eyes on it. More things are figured out, more tests are done, more decks are created. So dip your toes as quickly as you can. If you're sure that card is good, practice, try it, do it, make it and keep going. And if it's not good now, you'll have reps with it. You can maybe slot in the card later. You never know. Yeah. Well, you know, Jared, 
in your Discord, you have a little uh, channel spot. It says, uh, does it Jund? Have you done anything with Jund, being the Jund aficionado yourself, in Pioneer at all? Have you, like, brewed anything? Do you even think there's a chance for it? At least in that sense of, like, a modern-style boomer Jund, like, true mid-range pile. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a chance. I don't, I don't think that chance is now, but I think there's a chance if you ever get a prince. Uh, Riveteer's Charm, I think, helps a lot. I mean, it's basically just a Rakdos list, and then you throw in Zyatora's Envoy, Riveteer's Charm, and Abrupt Decay. Like, it's not anything to go screaming home about. Um, it's just to make a Jund really to sate the people in my Discord so they could shut up. <laughs> uh, I don't actually think it's better than the rakdos versions but like i said i'm i'm trying to make a deck and practice with it a little bit and as much as i can so that when that if there is a green card that's printed that can just slot into a mid-range list i have it i have practice with this configuration i know what's weak in this list i know what's strong in this list and i can replace and add and who knows i might just be piloting it before anybody else but yeah i I don't think john is very uh I, i there's pretty much no reason if you're going to force three colors, it better be for a good reason. Yeah. And right now, there's no good reason to be playing Jund. Zyatora's Envoy, Riveteer's Charm, and Abrupt Decay are not so backbreaking that they are worth the splash of green. So, no to answer your question. Uh, I hate Fable the Mirror Breaker. Thank you for your time. <laughs> I, uh, I I did play for a while um, a Jund uh, Delirium list early on in Pioneer. Um, which that was actually really fun. And the only reason I even went Jund um, was to play Delirium when I was playing uh, Croxa. And that was the whole, that was the whole oh. thing. Just so I could play the cool Delirium stuff and then also play Croxa um, and have like the tool back. What? Deli- oh, Delirium. Delirium. Like, like uh, tra- Traverse of the Uvalde, uh, the yeah, big yeah, old yeah, yeah, spider. Yeah, Grim Flayer. Is Grim Flayer legal? He in is. Uh, I've been playing with him a lot. He's, uh, he's not great. <laughs> like, he's fine. Like, but like, it's, it's not the best thing in the world. I imagine land is pretty difficult to throw in the yard. Yeah, huh? Fable passage isn't too bad. And like you you're hitting it, but yeah, it, it, it can be. That's four cards. You're, yes. Yes. You're correct. Um, so that's, that's, <laughs> so you have to like play like other weird shit. Like, uh, you play like, uh, what's it called? The, the Othanissa that's played in Mono Green. You can play like two of those legend rule or some shit. Um, you can play like some random artifact that you can like crack and like go from there. Like so it's not exactly. good. Exactly. Yeah, it, it's it's far less. Okay. <laughs> it, it's a lot more like. Uh, I'm just glad we can all situational. get there together. <laughs> just, but like, I, I love Croxa so much, and it, it, so yeah, I I like that card. I've never hated a card. I've never had a love hate relationship with a card like I have Croxa. But that's mostly my modern experience. Mostly because I hate Uro. Its direct counterpart mm-hmm. has three abilities, and Croxa has two. Uh, one and two conditional, yeah. which is just the inbound. I'm just gonna get emotional. <laughs> what do you What do you think of this list, uh, Karn? The first one, the second, the second one is my first iteration. Actually, I, 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 I really like it. I was going to. I guess we could talk about it now. I was actually gonna talk to you a bit about it off stream, uh, off um, podcast. Oh well, well, hold on, hold on. We can cut <laughs> no, no, this. No, no, no. We can talk about this. No, no, no. He's gonna talk shit. Get you involved in conversation. No, I wasn't gonna talk shit. I was actually like very interested. <laughs> in I looking looking at it. It looks like something that I would enjoy playing. Um, we were speaking about it a little bit before. Like Ledger Ledger Shredder is super super good. 
super, super powerful. You've got a lot of the other, like, I guess, staples or pillars or anything. Like, you've got that Fatal Push Thought Seize in it, which is, like, I think if you're playing Black and you're not playing that, you're probably not playing Black properly. Um, like, you know, <laughs> like, if you're, not, if you're not playing Thought Seize Fatal Push, you probably shouldn't even be in Black. Um, yeah, you know, <laughs> like, you, you, if, if your deck doesn't want that, it probably doesn't want to be Black. Um, then you've got, you know, you were talking about it, the Wandering Emperor, you've got March, you've got Dig Through Time. You've pretty much got everything in there that seems to make sense. The only thing I don't know about is Rafine, because I've never played with it. I've never even thought to play with it. So that was more going to be my question is, is that payoff actually worth it? And you were saying it before that you do think it definitely is worth it. And that was something that I would love to test personally, because it was not a card that was on my so, radar. Yeah, so... Uh, as soon as I read Rafine, I said, this card's insane, right? And everyone, uh, I've, this was in the Jun Discord, so I was like, fuck this card, this card sucks. <laughs> and I don't disagree with them, because Esper mid-range is just definitely not good in modern. But when you lower the power level, now you're looking at a card that when it comes down, immediately affects the board if you have one creature on the board. So one creature on the board, your Rafine can affect that creature and give them plus one, plus one counters, and you can draw on discard stuff. So it doesn't need to uh, attack itself. In fact, I barely attack with Rafine unless I, you, you need extra triggers. But more often than not, even just the one trigger, like if I play... Uh, actually, sorry, let me back up a little bit. When I first started creating this deck, I thought, Rafine, insane. Okay, so how can I help Rafine? Well, keywords, very, very important on cards. Uh, flying, Vigilance, Trample, Lifelink, First Strike. You know, I was looking for all of those cards because plus one, plus one counters on those cards become way better. So I thought, what cards have this? We have Ledger Shredder with Flying. Kaito makes unblockable creatures, especially if you give them plus one, plus one counters. Starts to get a little insane. I've definitely won God knows how many games off that. Wandering Emperor makes Vigilance creatures. Uh, Raiden has Vigilance and Flying. Um, Rafine obviously has flying himself, uh, it, itself. Uh, Containment Priest is the only sketchy one. Uh, initially that was Tenacious Underdog. I could blitz it and still get the, uh, draw and discard power with it. Um, or Null Priest of Oblivion, which has Menace and Lifelink, which is great with plus one, plus one counters. But initially, like, that was my thought. And then I realized Flyers is more than enough to just kind of, like, check the box. Because there are not a lot of... I've seen UR dragons pop up occasionally, randomly, but like for the most part, I'm not really encountering flyers at all. I'm just kind of attacking with flyers with no resistance. So if I'm pumping my unblockable creature or my flyers, I'm usually having a very fun time playing this game. And uh, Rafine itself is a 1-4 body with Ward 1, which is very relevant on a when the power level is significantly lower and let's not to mention this has happened several times drawing three cards and discarding three cards is a very good effect in modern especially when it's free oh, i'm sorry in pioneer especially when it's free actually that's a great effect in modern that's played a lot in modern but it's a great effect when it's free this is totally free and during your combat phase so i try to balance that with instant speed spells so one of my recent leagues i won by attacking with three cards i drew three cards and this is late game. I got Dig Through Time. I casted Dig Through Time. I got Void Rend. I played Void Rend. This is all before blocks. This is just because I drew three, then dug seven, then destroyed a card just because I had five mana up as I attacked. But 
Rafine, and even by itself, you're looking at an extra card every turn. I put a lot of value on digging through your deck. That's what makes a deck like Murktide and Modern so, so strong, is that they have expressive iterations, they have their DRCs, they have their baubles. They are flying through considers, ops. They're flying through their deck. And the more you can see your deck, and the more you can pitch your extra lands, your useless thoughts, these are useless fatal pushes, your useless cards, period. The, and, and then you filter your better options, the much stronger game plan you have going forward. So uh, I just put a lot of emphasis on Knaive. And when you have cards like Ledger Shredder and Ravine that help me be like, oh, this card sucks in my hand. Get rid of that. Plus one, plus one counter. Or it's just the land and I dish it for a Thought Seize, which is significantly better. I just put a lot of emphasis on filtering. And if I can filter, make my deck stronger or make my uh, creature stronger and just get to... Oh, that's it, actually, though, too. But if I can filter and make my cards stronger, and especially if it's for free, count me the F in. That ability has been insane. Uh, and especially if I'm putting it on keywords, like I said. Like, if I'm putting on Ledger Shredder, if I'm putting on uh, uh, Redain, if I'm putting it on a Vigilance counter from Wandering Emperor, if I'm putting it on Unblockable from Kaito, even if I'm putting on Rafine itself. Uh, I've tried a lot of iterations of a lot of cards. Like, I had Bramaz as uh, a... Yeah, right. But it, I felt it was more win more. But Bramaz, you can make a token first. You can choose the connive target, make a token, and then you're drawing an extra card every attack phase with the two of them. Things like that. I just, even if it's only two, even if you're only attacking with Rafine and Ledger, you are then filtering two more cards off the top of your deck, which, uh, this is the most common scenario where I'm actually pretty low on creatures. I'll have like Rafine and Ledger Shredder, right? Uh, they pass turn. I draw a card. It's a land. I attack with Rafine and Ledger Shredder. I draw two more cards and I can pick the best option out of them. Like rarely is it double land again. And now I'm now playing a card. So I've gone from bad draw to playable draw just because I included, just because I have that card. And when you're a mid-range list, your top decks become very, very important. That's like a, that's why Riveteer's Charm is so important for Jund, because turning your top card into your top four cards is way different. And Rafine turns your top card into your top one, two, three, four, depending on how many creatures you have cards. So when you're both hellbent, which is definitely the goal of a mid-range list, is to try to get as hellbent as possible and top decky as possible, it makes just the biggest difference in the world let alone it's a one four flyer body like it already blocks pretty well in the format it, yeah, like it. it, it blocks arc like phoenix so that's important <laughs> yeah and it becomes a two five after one just one connive one yeah let alone three or two or three which is decently popular and honestly I, I you said it um, earlier but ward one is actually huge like you know, yeah. a, a, a yeah. card that's super, super powerful in Pioneer is Thalia, and it's just because it makes your spells cost one more. And Rafine does that to its removal spells on it. So that alone is going to be good. Some, some mm -hmm. of the best removal is like March, and March is already always trading like down, where you're spending more mana to get rid of something that costs less. And then now it's, you know, two more mana to get rid of something that costs less or throwing away a card to do so. I, I, I think that makes sense. I mean, it's the reason um graveyard trespasser is so good right it's because it's two spells for one and in pioneer as we were saying before that's not common that you get to you know 
make an exchange more positive for yourself. Normally, it's just an exchange of resources. So, I looked for every excuse in the book to include four graveyard trespassers because I keep losing to that card. So, yes, <laughs> graveyard trespassers, absolutely the biggest nut. I, I, it's not even honestly. I don't even think it's the discard. I think it's losing one life and gaining one life. That is so momentum shifting in a game of pioneer as i'm finding out and especially if you cast no cards the turn before and all of a sudden it's two life and you uh you gain two like it's like a meat like a passive meat hook massacre that just keeps thinning and uh i'm also learning pioneer there's not a ton of graveyard interaction so if you can incidentally get down on a creature that two for ones like everything about graveyard trespasser i've tried to make excuses for to get four copies in here so if you have a reason we'll talk about it afterwards but <laughs> you help me with this in a little bit but yeah the idea of the deck was uh again going back to the brewing is that i read rafine and i'm like what the f like yeah this card has huge potential i'm a big big fan of cards that affect the board as soon as they come down whether it's thinking making your opponent think or and like playing around it or it's a card like rafine that if I play Ledger Shredder, Containment Priest at the end of my opponent's turn, all of a sudden, like, I'm drawing a card and discarding a card, I think is super, super powerful just by playing the freaking thing on my turn. I just, I, I like stuff like that. Um, and yeah, so with the connives going, again, getting a little more into it, I have eight cards that connive with Ledger Shredder and Rafine. I have two dig through times in the deck. So, all of these top decks, and if I get Hellbent and I'm just discarding, 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 hopefully, eventually become that plus one. That was the big idea with uh, Dig Through Time coming in at the end there. Yeah, I really wanted to. Uh, when I saw Rafine, um, I, I played uh, Esper Hero in Standard during like War of the Spark, and uh, that's always one of my uh, favorite cards, the Zero Precinct one. And I really wanted to mm -hmm. make it work with Rafine because it seemed cool because you, know, you make, make the one ones and you attack with the one ones and like, you're just trying to ping your opponent down. Then you get the connive and you yeah, that that seems fucking dope to me, though. Uh, Hero's yeah. probably a bit too slow, um, which kind of sucks. Uh, makes me feel feel really bad. Wish it and wish it <laughs> entered and like came with like the one one. And then, of course, every time because modern has a better one. You have the three drop, the Boros one that makes a fucking four four golem every time you cast a, a, a multi colored spell. And I'm like, all general, right, general, 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 yeah, yeah that or that, like that fuck, yeah. just a strictly better hero precinct. One. I'm like, why, why, why? <laughs> give, give me that. <laughs> Sounds so much fun. Protection from mono color, I think. It's multicolored. Uh, Mo yeah, it multi it's literally yeah, the right, exact whatever. same thing but, as Hero Precinct one, but better. I mean, it's... yeah, you can cut out my whole deck deck if you want. I just wanted to hear Karn's opinion. <laughs> oh no, it, no, it, it, as as weird as it is, our listener base for this uh, this podcast absolutely love it when we go off uh, on tangents and like just sidebar shit. Like one of our most well received uh, episodes was where I went on a 35-minute rant about the Great Henge and robot dinosaurs in space. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to the yeah, viewers. So this, this is the shit they like, and uh, I'm not here to tell them what they should and shouldn't like. But yeah, uh, so final thoughts. So, Jared, you are now finally a Pioneer player. I've been trying to get you to play Pioneer ever since I met you. 
and all it took was a pro tour announcement to actually convince you to do it. Uh, so what are your overall feelings on the format? Like, give me your quick positives, quick negatives, and like how you feel about the format in general. Um, this is more how I feel about Wizards of the Coast uh, in general than I can get specific to Pioneer. Um, the, pretty much the only thing I like about Yu-Gi-Oh! right now is that they're very proactive and reactive with bands. Like, they're very quick to... Granted, they have a restricted list and, you know, they have more flexibility. I understand there's differences, but the overall aspect of, you know, banning a card like Level Eater Bug before you get Link Monsters. You know, there's certain things that they're proactive about. And I enjoy that aspect of things. And I wish we had that more in Magic. And I'm talking even unbans too, but just, you know, like, okay. Uh, modern perspective real quick. All right, 4C and Merktide are clearly insanely popular. Like, let's address this. Like, we had the Uro, uh, Mystic Sanctuary, Field of the Dead ban, like, was it a year mm-hmm. ago now? I don't even know. Yeah. Time, COVID time, whatever. But a long time ago, one of the best things they ever could have done. And that was like a sweeping ban. I kind of wish we got more things that shoved it, uh, shoved shit out. So for me, from what I've experienced in talking to people, uh, I really feel like if you and Karn, correct me if I'm like just go off on me here, but I have four band suggestions that I think would just be very uh, healthy to make just to make the format really just where it should be. Um, not where it should be, but you know, lack of a better word. Uh, Winota is obvious. Like that card is <laughs> like you shouldn't be winning games flat out on turn four. Uh, and speaking of Lotus Field is just like it's not I don't think Lotus Field is hard to play against but it is very lame to play against and by which I mean if you don't have the answers to it they win and I yes I know how magic like if you don't have answers to most stuff but you know what I mean like I I'm a big disbeliever in solitaire decks I I just don't think most of them are healthy. There's some where it's like storm is, you know, stuff like that, where there's clear interaction patterns, but Lotus fields and pioneer in general can't handle Lotus field nearly as well as modern can is just so lame. (laughs) I just, every, I've beat the deck. I think every time I played against it with whatever Esper range I'm playing, uh, Esper list I'm playing, but every time I'm playing it, I'm just thinking like, what? I just passed the turn. I'm just watching. Like that's not, inductive of like the healthy game i just don't think that's fun i don't know like at the end of the day you're trying to have fun Mm. right i think that's the opposite i just think it's just so dumb um so lotus winota uh expressive iterations insanely powerful modern i was shocked that it was legal and pioneer not that that card is like a humongous issue but uh it's i think it sets a bad example of power level so i would hit i would consider Lotus Field ban mostly just for the fun, not power level, but Winona Expressive Iteration just for sheer power. And uh, I would just hit the combo piece in Mono Green Tron, the, art- the artifact thing that they recur. I would just hit that. I'd leave Karn, leave all their other big fun stuff, but just get rid of the combo just so you don't have something like, like you shouldn't have the oppressive decks. Like there ne- should never be oppressive decks there should be decks that are strong that you can interact with lotus field is not that powerful but it you don't really interact with anything 
Um, and Winota and Karn are just oppressive. And expressive iteration to me is always a problematic card. So that would be my ban. Combo piece, Winota, expressive iteration, Lotus Field. Like if they just do a sweep, I think the format gets a lot more interactive and a lot more even. Too bad. Yeah, so, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't necessarily agree, but I don't disagree. So like if you're going to do it, you need to do it to all four. You can't do one. That's mm-hmm. the like really key point. And I think that people tend to forget those types of things is that like you were speaking about modern where they took like everything away at one point. And that is important because if you just take away Winota, then you don't have the oppressor for Karn and Mono Green. Because that's why this that's why Winota's bounce yeah. right back up is that Mono Green can interact with it and it pushes it like to its limits. If you just ban the combo piece out of Karn, all you did was just bump mono green back down and you didn't solve any of the other problems similarly like like you were saying expressive iteration doesn't seem like it needs to go but if you ban the three other pieces everyone's playing expressive iteration right so like if you don't have mm-hmm. winota uh lotus field or car or like the Karn combo then everyone's going to be playing phoenix and is it control like they were two or three months uh, two or three weeks ago or even what was it a month ago when we didn't know that there was a combo to be done with Karn and everything so I think it's important if that's what you want to do, if you want to put the format to a place where it's incredibly interactive, which is a style I prefer, then yes, you need to do all four of them and you need to may- maybe even think about some other things it- in that space too. So it needs to be a bigger ban. Um, but I do think that a lot of these decks are okay. I think Karn and the Mono Green is getting to the point where it actually might really be oppressive. I. I say let the format settle like with streets and maybe see if something pushes it out, but it's becoming oppressive. But Lotus Field, yeah, for sheer lack of like, it's absolutely unfun to play against and lose to and everything, but it's not a very good deck. If you have like one or two pieces, right. you can beat that. And that's why everybody has them in their sideboard. Winota to me is exactly kind of like the same type of thing where like it wins a lot of game ones, but it struggles in games two and three if you know that you're supposed to be ready for it. And similarly, like all of those red, uh, red, blue decks or blue, red decks, whatever the right way to say that is, um, they're good decks that you can prepare for. So like, I, I don't hate the way that the metagame looks. It's really mono green Karn that's like kind of scaring me away at this point where it seems a little bit oppressive. But I agree that you're going one way or you're not doing it at all. Like you can't just ban one or two and yeah. hope that the format's healthy. You either take all of its top decks away and make it this interactive and fun space again. Or you just leave it and you let all of these ones fight it out because that's what they're really doing, right? It's like Winota's preying on Mono Green. Mm-hmm. Um, then you know um, the Phoenix decks are preying on Winota because they absolutely can't beat Winota. Uh, they can't beat uh, Phoenix and Is It Control? So like you just have these decks that are preying on each other, and that's fine. That means you pretty much have to be playing one of those four decks. Honestly, one of those three because I think Lotus is just bad um so it's just kind of it's a preference for what they want the format to look like and wizards with the way that modern's going seems to lean towards it being okay with like two or three decks being like relatively up at the top um but i do think that there's a difference because they want to keep selling modern horizons too and so i don't think they want to axe any of those things from it where in pioneer they're not selling any of those products anyway so i don't think they care as much but i think there's like a fine line so yeah a few so yeah i i complete i'm I'm with you entirely with what you said um all my suggestions were simply just like yeah i've I've experienced 
turn uh yeah, modern is this right now where you just banned Luris and you didn't ban companions yeah. and now four C exactly. is the biggest exactly. problem ever. Like you didn't solve you didn't solve it. You'd get rid of one thing, but your broken ass mechanic, which by the way, companions is a shit idea, yeah. bad idea, Agreed. everything, all terrible. <clears throat> I hate you, wizards. But uh you like it, the problem is still there. Kahira's popping up in random lists. Like companions are an inherent problem. Anyway, um I'm yeah, uh, my suggestion was purely like, okay, ban Winota, mono green is still there. You, you ban mono green's combo, Winota is at the top. Uh, Lotus Field, I think, was just unfun. I think uh, <laughs> I'm really for if something is just unfun, get rid of it. Like, I just don't think it's healthy for gameplay reasons. But like I said, there are combo decks that are just fine. And if Lotus Field is stays at its power level, it's fine. But to me, that's one of the decks that is just so, like, they're one printing away from just being like, uh, you know, like, sometimes you get an ultimatum against you, and you're like, well, this is an easy decision. Get out. And you never know if there's some one big... Anyway, that's a rant. Regardless, uh, Expressive Iteration would be a proactive ban, just because that card is absolutely insane in Modern. That card is equally sorry not equally that card is significantly more powerful in pioneer so that would just be uh my proactive decision well, yeah like um like i said you can't ban all the combos and then not expect expression yeah. iteration to take over right like the reason yeah, yeah. the reason it's being <laughs> held down right now is because turn two express or turn three i guess is when you really want to cast it turn three expressive iteration just loses to one out of the next turn so like you can't yep. do that so, yeah. like, that's what makes that card yeah. kind of, like, a little bit, I mean, underpowered <laughs> is a strong word. It's definitely not, but it's not oppressing anybody. But that's it. If you ban the three combo decks, and then that's what's going to take over. And like I said, that's where we were, like, a little while ago in Pioneer, was, like, you had to be playing Phoenix, or you really weren't playing Pioneer anymore. You were just losing most of the time. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, like, I agree. It's an all-or-nothing situation. You either... You, you you nerf everything or you don't touch it at all because that that and you're right that's what wizards tends to do right is they're gonna like ban winota because it's dominating explorer and it's kind of dominating pioneer and they're like oh this is gonna be good for the format and then now mono green is just even more oppressive than it really was so you have to really go like all or nothing or just leave it the way that it is and if they want to be okay with the fact that there are like four decks that you should be playing and if you're not playing those then like you're not gonna win anything fine if that's what they want but i don't think I, I don't like it either, but I'm just saying there are definitely two schools of thoughts there. So it's one or it's nothing. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I, I prefer interactive because at heart, I'm also like a yeah. mid rangey type player, but you know. Yeah. So I'll, I'll say two more points. Uh, one, I think modern is getting very like uh, Omnas time and modern is super limited. And with Omnas time, I think there's like two or three more cards that are going to get banned at once. I'm only saying this because now in paper, like Moto. I think is the worst thing to base anything off of. I not the worst, but Moto is a very bad representation of what happens. For instance, there's a rental limit on some uh, a lot of decks or um, on your subscription services to Mana Trader. Shout out to my subscription service, uh, <laughs> card hoarders, things like this. There's a rental limit, so decks like Jund and Four Four uh, C is a bad example, but there are factors that apply and flavor of the month options that are seen in spades that you don't see in paper. So there's a lot of times where in the Jun Discord, I'll catch somebody, I'm like, is this deck for your FNMs? Is this deck for Moto? Is this deck for a tournament? Because you lose to burn, 
and you'll see burn at tournaments or you just straight up lose to boggles. You know, just these decks that are will always see play in paper are not reflected in modern. With that being said, my point is that uh, now that we switch to paper, we're seeing Merktide and 4C in 11% usage, which is absurdly high for a deck in a tournament. And not only are they seeing like 11% usage, 11 plus percent usage, they're also appearing in top eights like crazy. So yeah, I think we're walking towards that. But that's personal opinion. That That's not really important to what I was saying. The second point is that Pioneer being not necessarily newer, but it has newer eyes on it and the meta is still not solved. And there's brute, like, there's this, it's like a little, it's like a little baby or it's like a, it's like a teenager. We're getting to like puberty with Pioneer. And with that, you still don't want to misguide it. And by what I, by that, I mean, I think as a competitive, uh, what, what is, what is their team called? Pe- competitive, competitive integrity team, competitive. What what is Wizard Wizard of the Coast has yeah, some like com- I know what you like, mean where they decide bans and health of formats. Yeah. Anyway, that team needs to decide what Pioneer's power level is at max and stick with it. So I mentioned way earlier in this, I think Karn is a really, really great uh example for just a gr- d- great card. Like very, very good card power level. It's super strong. It's somewhat sticky. It does a ton of things. It enables things. Uh, I think Treasure Cruise is right there where it doesn't win you the game when you play it, but it's super oppressive and it like it definitely increases your win chance, but it doesn't win you the game on the spot. I think if you not, I know they do, but I want them to set their power level at Karn, at Treasure Cruise. And I personally, I think Winoda expressive iteration and the combo is above that line and pioneer being the teenager it is if you keep those cards in the format i think you're setting the precedent for this is the ceiling and you end up like modern where it's if you're if you're not winning like if you're not playing broken shit you're probably not doing that well so like thought and hand hate and modern is significantly weaker than it was pre-mh2 that's just an example of like a power level jump because they set the precedent that this is this is where we're at. So I'd like to see them with their pop getting more popular baby because of the PT, admittedly, but because of this new newer uh how do I put this? Because of the surge in popularity and because of how uh you can actually shape it still, like it's not fully formed yet. You can still manipulate it. I would really like to see them. Set the president that, yet yeah, nope, Winota is too strong. Expressive iteration is too strong. Blank is too strong. And just say that in future expansions, we are aware that we banned those cards. So we banned those cards because it was too strong. Now, I'm looking at this card I just designed. It's kind of on the same power level as Winota. Let me tune it down a little bit. Or, yeah. So it just it, it gives more confidence to the players and lets the players know the direction they'd like to go with it. And that's where communication is super important. But yeah, but my whole, whole thing with a sweeping ban would be them saying, yeah, this is, we're not going to be accepting cards like this in the format right now. And that would be just, even without any words, if they just said, hey, Winota, Expressive Iteration, Karn Combo, gone. 
Yeah. And no, no, the literally no other words that would say enough for me as a player and give me more confident and more uh, ability to move forward. Yeah, I think to 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 jump on a little bit of that is like I I I think that's exactly it, right? It's like they need to decide what they want Pioneer to be, and it's fine. Like I said, that's why you got to do one or the other. If they want Pioneer to be this, fine. Like I mean, we'll all play along, and this will be what the format is. It was it was a similar situation to like I don't I can't even tell you how long because time is hard to figure out. But um, back when back when modern was like Abzan and Jund, like there were like those were the those were the premier decks. Was I like was like just these like mid range piles that were going like head to head with a few like control decks mixed in. But those were like really good control players, and you had you know your your zoo decks and things like that. And that's when modern. That's where it was, and then they decided they wanted it to jump in power level, right? And like I always jokingly say with people that I know that like you know modern is the new legacy, right? It's it's what I grew up thinking legacy was, which is now what modern is, right? And that's why I gravitated towards Pioneer when it came out was because it was what I remember modern being. I remember playing at my local game store, casting uh, siege rhinos in in modern, and that was actually good. Like you know you were playing um, what's the the one that makes um, spirits uh, with flashback. That was like the best card you could be playing in modern at one point in time. And like, that's what I think Pioneer should be. And that's what I think Pioneer was for a long period of time. And that's where I think they're at. They're getting to that point now, like you said, with, with the PT coming and everything. I think if at the PT, it's mono green, it's Winota, it's Lotus, it's like expressive iteration. Like once you showcase that to people, that's what people want the format to be. And so I think they need to consider what they want the you know world or general public to see at the Pro Tour, which you know obviously it's it's going to be paper and it's going to be done like they you know they used to do, and we're going to have all the cameras on it, and people are going to sit for three days and watch this format play out. They need to decide at that point in time what they want people to see because once people see it, that's what it's going to be. It really like a- after yeah. that you can't just take away all of these broken things and expect people to want to play that format anymore because people are going to fall in love with watching these two goldfishing decks go at it, and that's what's going to gravitate them towards this format. So they need to decide what they want to showcase at the PT. And they have time, but they're running out of time to figure that out, is what do they want this format to look like? Because, I mean, you can't do that with modern anymore. Like, per- personally, I think that if you steal away what people have in modern right now, they're they're going to riot against the format. Like, people love the fact that it's, playing the way that it's playing right now and that's why a lot of people are playing modern is because they like that style of gameplay and so i think pioneers at that point like you said it's whatever a teenager was your analogy or whatever but like you're at that point where like you have to decide you know what kind of adult you're going to be and they need to decide what they want pioneer to be and if they make like they have to make that decision i think before the pt but i mean they're wizards and they'll do whatever the hell they want so it doesn't matter what i say but right tying it into my i made this point earlier in the podcast where i wish uh, the things i liked about Yu-Gi-Oh is that they're proactive with bands yeah. whereas wizards of the coast historically the, the problem happened and then it was banned like gp vegas happened after mh1 and it was the summer of hogak it was clearly the biggest problem going into it everyone knew it was the biggest problem going into it it was a problem for all of the gp and then they banned it after the gp you're like what the ban it before you dicks yeah. uh Look at uh, Uro. Uh, I mean, Uro and whatnot was during COVID. So that's kind of a hard example. But I'm a firm believer that that would not have been pre 
GP. I think that would have been after sure. GP. Oko was a great example. GP Austin was one of the last tournaments with Oko in it. Every game went way over time. We were waiting for 70 minutes for games to finish because that's how the Oko Urza decks worked. But everyone knew going into it, you're planning for Oko and you're planning for Urza in the combo deck. So, or not in the combo, but in that deck. We all knew, and it was banned after. Like, historically, they've just done, like, oh, yeah, all the, everyone saw that. That was super embarrassing. Uh, we'll ban it. And it's unfortunate because there are so many players and so many voices and so many opinions and stats that you could pull from that are clearly like, hey, hey, Winoda's a big fucking problem. Like, please ban this before, like, anything happens. Hey, Bottle Green Tron is super oppressive. Please stop. Like, there's so many people saying this, and I, I really like. Like I said, I, I, I really hope they do it. Uh, I just, I, because it would just say so much. But it's like Bill Belichick drafting Patriots players, like slow linebackers. He's still on them. Oh, it's like strange. Years later, like ten years too late. Like you need to be fast. And Wizards of the Coast is like, nah. We're going with the old slow linebackers. That's our yep. play. And you're like, well, it's no wonder you lose games and you're losing players. It's just, I hope, I hope, but historically it's always been post. We have, yeah. spotlight. We have Dallas next month, right? June. That's the first big pro tour uh, event. Well, that's it. So I, I'm hoping that they use that to make their decisions before the PT, right? So like in theory, they have a bunch of these big tournaments that they set up in all these different regions that should be able to give them a pretty good idea of what is oppressive versus what is not oppressive, right? And, like, I think that's what Jared's saying, right? Is that, like, they, the time is now. Like, they'll be able to see this between, because, what, it's the, the PT should be, like, in the new year, technically, right? Yeah. So they yeah. have the time, right? Like, they have all of, you know, um, September, October, November, and I think, like, some regions have December as their, like, championships or whatever the actual name is and i think with that information mm -hmm. they should be educated enough to be able to say like these are the these are the pillars if we want to say or the archetypes that are right up at the top is this something we're comfortable with the format looking like like i i think that's also really important is we we can sit here and we can pound the table as much as we want about what we want the format to look like ultimately it's what they want the format to look like what they want to showcase mm -hmm. and what they think is you know best for viewers or best for for dragging players in and, and those types of things so like i'm not even saying that mono green and winota and all those things have to go if that's what they want this format to look like fine but they need to make that decision before the pro tour because if not it's going to be exactly that we're going to think that that's what they want the format to look like everyone's going to be playing some sort of you know decks that look like that or are those and then Everyone's going to watch Pioneer for the first time. Like, let, let's remember, this is a format that's existed for like over two years now that has never, ever had the spotlight in this way, right? Like it has never, ever been, yeah. you know, on this massive spotlight. And so it's finally going to get there. We're all going to watch it and we're going to watch, you know, Winota players smack each other in the face or we're going to watch a like a, a slowed down version of Pioneer because they did do the bands of these mid-range decks going at it. And then if it changes after the Pro Tour, then what was the point of showcasing it? What was the point of showing people a format that doesn't look like it anymore at all, right? Like, it's just going to be a completely different format that we're going to end up playing afterwards. Because, I mean, anybody who's ever watched the PT before is going to start buying cards. You're going to watch it on day one, and you're going to go, I'm going to get ahead of those spikes. 
I'm yep. going to buy those cards because wow, that deck is impressive. And they're going to be scouring the internet and they're going to buy all these freaking cards. And then they're going to be so excited to go to their FNM or their new regional qualifier or whatever. And then all of a sudden, Wizards on you know a week or a couple days later is going to go, well, actually, that's not the format. Like too bad you spent all that money and too bad you invested all this time in, in watching it and whatever. But like, actually, the format doesn't look like that. Like, we're so sorry. And, you know, that comes back to Jared's point. Like, I, I think that's really disappointing that that's how we've pretty much always seen Pro Tours is that all these amazing decks, you pretty much have to know in the back of your mind that they're not here next week. Like they're not going to exist because they dominated the Pro Tour. And I think that that's sad. I think that that's what I'm trying to say is that they need to make a decision before that Pro Tour, what they want it to be. And like I said, I'm comfortable. If they make the decision that they want Winota and Mono Green and all of these decks to be the format, fine. Don't rip them away from me after the Pro Tour. Yeah. Yep. And as I say, whatever they decide to do is all the communication the players need. Like, like I said, if they, if they go with that sweeping ban, yeah, we, okay, we understand what you're saying. We get it. Like, we understand the power level that you're expecting us to play at. We're, expect, we're understanding the power level that you understand the formats at. Uh, if they, and if they do nothing, that's equally yeah. as much communication where you're just like, I guess this is what we're doing. The only unfortunate part is, as Karn just mentioned, if you don't do any bans and then the bans come after like and the pro tour happens and you experience it as Karn said, and then you ban afterwards, you're just betraying your own players. Like you, that is, I genuinely think that's a big betrayal because if there's a tournament like, like, like Dallas coming up and let's say Dallas, I don't know. Uh, you have like, this is how I envision a top eight in Dallas, right? You have uh, control mono blue spirits, Two green trons, uh, one Winota, and uh, someone's just like we're just we're having fun. We're doing like BR something, two BR decks, and one UR either control Phoenix whatever. That's how I envision top eight. You would seem you would think it's pretty diverse. Then you expand that, and then you look at the top thirty two, and then you start seeing how the numbers shape up, and then you're realizing that like oh this deck only did well because it's literally a rogue deck to this. Regardless, you see these results, you clearly see a problem. If there's clearly a problem seen and you don't ban anything and you don't communicate it to, like if you don't make an announcement like, hey, we're just really aware of Winota green card combo. We're aware of expressive iteration. Like we just want you guys to know we're keeping track of these cards, right? If you say something like that, then you're like, oh, okay. So they just want to see a little bit more. But if you say nothing, which is historically they've said absolutely nothing, then you set the president that it's fine. Like, this is the format. And like, like I said, Karn brought it up perfectly. You, if you ban it afterwards, you suck. Like, you, you suck for doing that to us. Because we practice and practice and practice. And we think this is how it's going to go. We do an entire tournament. We have worlds, essentially. And you just sweep it away because you got embarrassed on, like, a national stage. Even though this writing has been on the wall. I just... It's either... You ban, you don't ban, or you communicate. And ideally, you're doing two of the three things at a time. Yeah, and I think they did that once, right? Is I think that's where you're kind of getting, where they actually, like, said, like, we're watching this deck's, like, performance in the next few weeks, and, like, you know, we'll make our decision from there. Yeah. And I agree. I think that's, like, super key, right? If you tell me that you think Mono Green Karn or Winota is, like, at a power level that's maybe a bit oppressing, and, like, we're going to see just another month because, like, 
it, we're just really not sure we couldn't come to that conclusion. Great. That tells me in my mind that I might not want to invest money, time into those decks, and I might want to look a little bit different. And that's important. And I mean, look, I, I, I'm a somewhat competitive player. Jared's a competitive player. So are probably some of the people watching this. And honestly, I'll say it a million times. Wizards can do whatever they want. I'm still going to buy the cards. I'm still going to show up to the events. I'm still going to play them because that's kind of the lifestyle I chose to have. What I find so sad is that you're going to get these people who are going to watch these events on this big stage and they're going to see Pioneer for the first time. They really are because most of them are not getting them at their FNMs. Most of them are not logging on to Moto and grinding challenges and leagues and things like that. They're playing what they're used to, which is standard or modern or any of these formats that existed pre-COVID. And they're going to show up. They're going to they're, they're watch all three days of, of the Pro Tour because who doesn't if you have any interest in Magic? And they're going to watch this new format that they're not accustomed to whatsoever. And they're going to do what historically happens at a Pro Tour. They're going to watch a deck dominate or two decks dominate day one. And they're going to go, I need this deck. And they're going to scour the internet and they're going to hit up their friends and they're going to acquire all of this at a high price. And then they're going to take it away from them. And I think that's what's most sad. I think that's what brings people away from playing these formats. And Pioneer, in my opinion, can't survive that. It really can't. It can't be the star of one Pro Tour and then we don't see it again for a while and expect players to play it after they made major changes to it and we don't see it again. And like, it's not modern. I mean, modern will always have its players. People have been playing modern for its entirety. I mean, there's formats like vintage and stuff that exist that don't even get coverage. That don't even, people don't even look at those, you know, wizards, when I say those people, they don't even look at some of those formats and it's because people have been playing it and they're not going to stop. They like those formats. Pioneer is not that. There's a very small amount of us that have played this format. And like Jared's a great example of that, right? Like he didn't play the format until they said, hey, like this format matters. And if you like torpedo this format and you do it, like you do it a disservice on the Pro Tour level and then you don't come back to it for a year or two years, it's not going to exist. All of those players will disappear. They'll all disperse and they'll do whatever the next things are coming. And all those new players who got scorned because they bought Winotas at $25 during the Pro Tour aren't going to play the format. And then the format just doesn't exist and we have to wait for Wizards to jumpstart it again. And I just don't think it can survive that. It, it's not an established format. I mean, look at Standard. Like, Wizards abandoned Standard. They didn't handle it properly. And now no one wants to play it. I mean, has anybody yep. played Standard, like, in the last, like, two years? Like... They printed Oko, Uro, they printed so much and they, of this. And they like, took too long to make any decisions. And they kept And it. they took way too long to make any decisions. And the format and yes. the format completely like just became ridiculous. And then they ripped it all away. So all the people who actually decided they wanted to play that format and paid the what was Uro? Like a hundred bucks at one point? Yeah, like, it was a hundred. Like, yeah. yeah so like, was the people, like the people who paid that money for those cards and then got it all ripped away from them, they left that format. They were like, oh. Yeah. Forget this. Like, I can't even believe I spent $100 on a standard card and now I can't even play it. And I think that's like Pioneer, I always say, is closer to standard than it is to modern. Like, let's remember that. Like, that's where it is on power level. And if you rip its power level away after showcasing that to people, they're going to leave the format because people in standard got used to playing with powerful cards and then you rip them all away and you printed terrible sets afterwards like let like let's remember some of the some of the power level of formats that came out uh, that of sets that came out after that because they were so afraid of screwing up standard again that people just left because they were like i like playing with uros and okos 
and all of these powerful cards and you took them away from me and now this format blows. And I think that could be the same problem that we run into with Pioneer where it's like this fun, explosive format that everybody's watching on Pro Tour where people are, you know, goldfishing their decks and you're like, oh my God, this format actually is super powerful. And then they come back and they're like, actually all those cards don't exist anymore in this format. You're going to just like slam mid-range decks at each other and people are going to leave. Yeah, it's it's a really good it's just I the best example I have is my personal experience. So I had played Magic uh starting at Kamigawa all the way up to Ice Age. And I was I was like elementary school to high school I played, and then I didn't play again until MH1. And when I started MH1, it was a coworker. He's like, yo, you like I just remember it. I saw him playing Magic all the time. I'm like, man, I used to play, I love it, I love strategy games. He's like you got to get in this. You got to get like Phoenix is super good. Don't worry. Faithless looting will never be banned. <laughs> and I thought about it. I thought about buying the deck. I was like, eh, I'm like, I'm more of like a Jun interactive guy. So I went Jun. And then a month later, Faithless looting was banned. I'm like, you yeah. <laughs> like, I'm so glad I didn't buy into that. Had, Otherwise you, I'd be totally you screwed. Left, probably. Right. I like, would have, yeah. would have like, sold the cards. I'd be like, yeah, you like you would have probably know. left playing magic. Like you were at that point where you weren't really sure. Like, you know, you were coming back to it. Had you invested all this time, money, uh, honestly, just like like and, reps yeah. into this deck and they were just like, oh, sorry, like that doesn't exist anymore. You're probably going to more than likely leave Magic in your case. But for people who are coming into Pioneer, who are playing Pioneer right now, who are going to grind all of these championships, who are going to invest all this mm -hmm. new time into it and you rip away mm -hmm. their toys from them, they're mm -hmm. going to leave the mm -hmm. format. So you have to do it now so that these people play with what you think the power level is. And like I said, keep the power level. Right. It's fine. Don't take it away from us afterwards. <clears throat> like, whatever. We're, we're, we're jumping in circles. I, I think we're on the same page about it. it something... It's, uh, the end of the day, it's communicate. Like, if, if you're not... And they promised they would do this forever ago, and they still haven't done it. But, like, if you're not going to tell us what you're looking at, then you need to be proactive bands if you're going to tell us what you're looking at then yeah like thank you like you're finally giving players something to either like newer players casual players something to invest to it's no wonder commander took off because standards a freaking nightmare and the casual format that kind of standard was shaped as because you had modern and legacy became this pile of spike and everybody investing into these high-powered cards and they're like the casual player just gets blown out of the water so commander spikes up but yeah just 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 communicate man just please yeah. tell us something and even if you don't want to tell us a card tell us we're looking at certain cards that affect the format a little bit too much i really don't think it'd be detrimental to tell us which cards but if some if if an announcement happened like that would you still be like recommending people buy into Winota? I'd be like, well, yeah, I would probably go like Rakdos or something if you're going to buy into somewhere or I would buy in a UR Phoenix or something. Just yeah, it, because and that's it. If, it so, if it's ambiguous too, like I don't think that they need to tell us the cards. If they tell us they don't think Pioneer should be one on turn four, that says a lot to me, right? Like, like if they say mm -hmm. Pioneer is a format that we don't want to be turn four wins, then there's a lot of decks that you have to think, hmm, maybe I shouldn't touch. Winota, Lotus Field, like those are decks that can win on turn four. Maybe I shouldn't touch those. Yep. And that's fine. Even if it's not Lotus and it's Winota they're talking about, at least it gives me an idea that if I'm on something that's winning 
Realistically on turn four, I probably shouldn't be because that's not what they want this format to be. And it can be ambiguous in that way. And that way that if for whatever reason they realize ah, actually like Winota is not strong, they don't have to do anything because they didn't tell you that they were looking at anything and they didn't screw anything up. They just said like, I don't think people should be winning on turn four and we're looking into it. And you'd be like, oh shit, like, all right, that's not what I should be doing here. And that's it. I, I, I think you, you, you nailed it on the head. If we just have some sort of communication about the future of Pioneer, whether it be we're super content with what it looks like or we think maybe some of these things are problematic, that's good enough for me. Like, at least I know where we're going and I know what I'm supposed to be doing. We had it. Just have a monthly journal. They did. Just, they like, did. Hey. They had it at the beginning of the fucking Pioneer, which was amazing. It was a weekly ban announcement of either no changes or they banned something when Pioneer was brand fucking new. Do that same thing, but monthly with every format, every single format. And they would even say when there was no ban announcement, no changes, they're sometimes like, hey, we hear you. We, we see this card. We see this deck. We're keeping an eye on it. They did that. They shown that they can do it, which is the stupidest fucking thing that they don't. Especially like you said, like they promised they would continue doing it. And they're like, no, never yeah. mind. We, we kind of forgot. Like, what, what was the plan? Did they say we're going to pay this one fucking intern to type it up every month? And they're like, oh, shit, we forgot to tell Jeremy to type up that thing about it. We didn't send the memo to him. Oh, well. Dude, I would be the intern. Yeah. I don't care. Like, tell me what you're thinking and I'll translate it into words. It doesn't need like it's so it is so freakishly simple to the point where it's almost depressing that it hasn't happened. Like, it's very easy to have a blog that talks about standard for a paragraph, modern for a paragraph. Explorer, his, historic, all this just for a paragraph. All you have to do is consult like four people, get a consensus opinion, and then publish it. Like it's not, I, I don't, it, or just, you know, do your job. But I, do, I, I really, it's such a low bar that we haven't uh, gotten that it's almost depressing. Well, yeah. I, not, not, not that I want to defend or whatever, but like I think what happened, right, was that everything was actually okay for a bit. And so they were like, everything's okay and like i think that's also inherently the problem right is that when formats are fine tell me they're fine but then it you wasn't know? again because like, we had we had the we had the combo for six we had the four combo decks for six months after theros beyond death before they did anything and they were radio silent the entire time so how do you set a precedent to say hey i get it beginning the format whatever and then you have the announcement okay we're no longer doing the weekly bandwidth and bullshit like that that's fine but once you have the problem occur for 90 days and it's prevalent you don't wait another 90 days to not fucking do a thing without even saying anything i was on my way to work in an uber when my car broke down when i saw on my phone they randomly dropped that ban announcement on august 3rd in 2019 just just hit or 20 yeah 2019 to the man has to dates the man is mad. everything okay kathos was my favorite deck so that will ever forever be ingrained okay. 2020 by the way sorry um, but and I was in the car and I just, I'm scrolling like inverter band, walking bus to band, breach band, Kethis band. I'm like, what the fuck? Because you set the precedent that you weren't going to do shit for six months. Why should I expect you to do anything at that point? Well, I see, I, yeah. I, I think yeah. that that was, that, that was the thing. Right. And that's kind of what we're talking about here was that they had, they had done their weekly bands. They had decided this is what they wanted the format to look like. And then they decided that wasn't what they wanted the format to be. Right. That was the problem. Right. Was that for for almost like six months, they said, this is this is Pioneer. It's a combo driven format with very powerful cards. And then they said, 
No, it's not. And they well, took the it all they... away. And then they <laughs> took it all away. And that was the problem. And that's what we're talking about here, right? Is that it's doing it again. Things are bouncing back up to the top and becoming oppressive and becoming this like quick combo-y format again. And we're saying, choose to let it be that or do it now. And that's what they didn't do then. Or say and anything. They, and that's what they didn't do then, right? It was like, they decided, this is where we are. This is what we like. This is cool. And then like, it was, all, it was only through people complaining, right? It was only through people yes, being extremely... that's exactly... And they even ex- said it, it at the fucking Extremely thing. upset with the format. Like, they were extremely upset with the format, and they were finally like, <laughs> okay, fine, this isn't what the format is anymore. But they, they had decided... They unbanned Oath of Nyssa. It was like, hey, Inverter's fine, by the way, fuck you. They had the same thing when they announced the Aetherworks Marvel ban in that standard in, like, 20-fucking-17. They are like, hey the data says you're all fucking wrong fuck every single one of you we're tired of you bitching about this stupid fucking card it's banned fine are you happy they did the exact same fucking thing in pioneer with the combo deck saying like hey the data says inverter's not oppressive lotus breach isn't oppressive the other ones whatever and then they fucking drop it and they're like you know what we we stand by our previous announcement we unban othanissa to be like kind of fuck you we heard you bitch and moan so much that, you know what? Hey, you don't like Inverter so much? Because that was the thing people were complaining about. Breach was a little bit of a thing. Sun Gun only existed to combat Inverter. And then Kethis was just there because Othanissa came back. No one was complaining as much about the other ones. Maybe Breach a little bit, but it was 100% all eyes on Inverter. So they're like, oh, you don't want fucking Inverter in the format? No. All of it gone. Every single one of them are gone. And that I think that was a mistake on its own, too. But like, well, I think I, I, I think it's because they decided at that point, right? Like, yes, everybody was bitching. And so they just axed all the combos, right? They were like, this format isn't a combo format. You don't get any of them. If you don't get one, you don't get any. All the combos, all the ways that you can win, like in an instant, they're all gone. And that was the mistake, right? It was like they had at some point decided combo decks were cool and the format can be a combo format and like we think that's fun and then they were like you guys all hate it so much so like it's not anymore and now it's kind of stupid and now it's kind of bubbling up again right we're like they're not combos intel but they're very close like winota is practically a combo deck mono green karn is practically a combo deck lotus field is a combo deck like these are practically combo decks and it's happening again and they need to make that decision are they allowing us to have these combo decks or are they not? And I think like, you know, again, we're walking in circles here, but they need to make that decision now or not make it at all. Because I, was, I, I don't, I don't want them taken shit. away later. I want to see them unban things. I want to see them be more experimental with that too. I, th- I just think that's so volatile. Yeah. I know people ask for unbannings all the time, yeah. but that's like extremely dangerous. Is that like... It is. You're, you're right. But okay, It's dangerous. This, this is what I've been wanting for the longest time, for like fucking ever since I started playing Magic. You should have on moto because you have this wonderful digital client that you can do whatever the fuck you want with at any time you can have a different queue that says experimental it's like a test server and you uh, go hey I, we I unban this and run 30 days and just see what the data says and just see what happens just out of curiosity and then you can use that input however you want if it means nothing it means nothing if it means something it means something you either get that niche bound of players that can go into it and they play with the decks they want to play with or it's, it's abandoned whatever and you can just run as a test run try it you have it at your disposal you have the tools i don't see why you sit there and just sit in the corner and radio silence for a year and be like it's whatever 
Like it's, yeah, it's weird. I don't think they need to do literally anything besides communicate. <laughs> like it, it literally all their PR nightmares could be solved by just telling us what they're thinking at any given time. And we're good to go. Yeah. We're like the players are square, competitive, casual. Everyone is fine. Cause they're like, Hey, just so you know, uh, let's say they do it after Dallas. I don't know. Like we're aware that, uh, we're aware of Winota and Greentron and how it shapes the format. We are keeping an eye on it. We just want players to know this is not a ban announcement, whatever. And then, you know, three months later, if it's banned, like you, you can only blame yourself if you like heavily invested. And then you can't be like, oh, how dare they do like, dude, they told you like three months ago that that was pretty probably going to happen or that they were at least looking at it. Like you can only blame yourself. I have n- not a clue in the world. I don't know what. <laughs> A PR class anyone at Wizards has ever taken, but not communicating has never been better than communicating yeah. ever in anything ever. Just communicate. It literally is it. I challenge any listener to pull up an example of communicating in a gaming sense where it actually was a negative thing to do. And I'm not talking like an org is like, hey, this player sucks. That's I'm not talking orgs. I'm talking like a video game is saying like, hey, this is the state of the game, or at least this is what we think the state of the game is. These are the changes. I mean, Siege like, does that. We're putting they have it a through. state of the game announcement like every few months. So many yeah. games do that. Yeah. Just do that. <laughs> they, they show the wonderful graph where you see Ash all, and Jaeger all the way in the fucking back corner of the fucking graph off of it. And everyone's like, huh. Maybe you should do something about that. They're like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna reduce the mag size a little bit for Ash. Is everyone happy? Oh no. Okay, sorry. But that, that's another thing. Whatever. But yeah, like like Karn said several times, we are going in circles. So we'll go ahead and do reminders at the door. Remember, we are the Pioneer Perspective, or at least I guess I am. You guys are just in it now. <laughs> Fuck, Alex isn't here. It doesn't the Wii doesn't uh. work. But you guys are honorary members of the Pioneer Perspective. You're welcome on any fucking time. We are the official podcast of the PlayAway Discord server. If you want to play some Paper Magic online via webcam, if you cannot play at your local store for whatever reason, Pioneer's not offered, or you just really hate people in the physical sense, go ahead and play online. Otherwise, we have merch on Ink Gaming. If you want to go in the link in the description, there's two of them. The first one allows you to go get shit that has our face, logo, all that shit on it. The other one is if, hey, you just like other art on InkGaming.com, but you don't really give a shit about ours, click that link. It helps us out. Let's us feed our editor. It's a really big deal. PlayingPioneer.com is another thing. Carnage, you're a writer on there. Jared, I actually really, really nope. think you should at some point. I read it. But you should. I, I think you'd be wonderful. I just read well, it. Don't put that pressure on me. <laughs> we'll come back to it. But go on playingpioneer.com. Check out some videos on the YouTube channel uh, with Carnage on the Playaway or the Lead the Way series. Read articles written by myself, Carnage, all the wonderful different content creators that we have on the site. It's an amazing tool. Materialist every week. Just go check it out. It's the best thing ever. Humble brag. And of course, thank you so much for listening. You guys are the absolute best. Oh, and by the way, we have a Patreon if you want to support in that way. Cool, whatever. And thank you so much to Patrick. Uh, Sir Epic, Bridger, and uh, Alex's friend, that name's escaping me. I'm so fucking sorry. Alex. (laughs) That also supports. You guys are the best. Thank you so much. And we hope you listen to us next week. Bye-bye. You didn't let us plug. (laughs) (laughs) Do Do I stop this? Oh.
Hey Carnage, where? Hey Carnage, where can they find you? Uh, they can find me at Playing Pioneer. Uh, Brad did a pretty decent job of uh, plugging me there. Um, I'm on their YouTube channel. Uh, I also stream on Twitch uh, for them every Saturday and Sunday uh, for the Pioneer challenges. So you can check me out there. Oh, sorry, <laughs> Jared. J- Jared, where, where can they find you? Thanks for asking. Uh, John Jared on Twitter and YouTube and Jared streams here on Twitch. Now, now we're good. Now we're good. Bye. <laughs>